Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it with, you made it with, you made it with. What's happening, weirdos? This is a uh, this is a weird episode for me in the good way. I've always heard of uh, Kyle, and I had never met him. Uh, I've never even seen him perform uh, live, but I had always heard about him as a as a weird dude in in the good way. And then I also heard about a uh, we kind of cover this in the podcast a uh, comedy course that he was teaching or a part of that was kind of controversial in the scene. Um, uh, as we discussed in this episode, Doug Stanhope kind of railed against it. And I always heard these rumors about this guy named Kyle was teaching some like really extreme kind of comedy boot camp. Then Kyle kept coming up in my life because people were like, a lot of your weirder beliefs, uh, your, your raw veganism or your meditation or your uh, obsession with being in the present or whatever it is, um, this guy named Kyle was going out and doing like motivational speaking. And uh, kind of blurring that line between stand-up and a guy who literally just goes to conferences and tells people what he's learned. So I was excited at the prospect uh, of recording this episode, and I'm excited to share it with you, and I really hope you enjoy it. You now know everything that I know about Kyle going in, and I got to sit down with him. He's funny, he's charming, he's present, he's uh, engaging, and I hope you enjoy this. It's one of the weirder ones, and I hope you enjoy it. In that way. Uh, let's get this in that way. I hope you enjoy it in one of the weird ways. I don't know what that means. Please enjoy. Uh, here's the upcoming appearances. We're running out of tour dates. I'm actually not touring that heavy moving forward. So here are the uh, current things. They're all on PeteHolmes.com. Uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas. I'll be at the University of Arkansas on November 21st. Then I'll be coming to Iowa City for the University of Iowa on December 5th. Bloomington, Indiana for the Comedy Attic. I'll be there December 11th through the 13th. Uh, right here in California at the Irvine Improv on January 29th, uh, the 30th and the 31st. And then another California date, San Diego, the American Comedy Company. We rescheduled that for February 6th and 7th. And then I will be going to Washington, D.C. for the Improv. That's February 20th through the 22nd. Here is, oh, where's the ad? I know it's Dollar Shave Club, but I need to I need to see it in front of me. Here it is. I really love this sponsor because I love what they do. I hate buying razors. Is there anything worse? you got to remember that you need them. Who can do that? I'm always trying to vaguely picture my shower where the razors are. I can't remember if there are any in there. So you got to remember that you need them. Then you got to sit in traffic, get into the store. And then you got to find that locked plastic fortress they keep them in. you got to find the one guy with the key. He's in the back texting his girlfriend. And then once you get them, you get the privilege of buying them. It costs like $25. It's a racket. And I'm never doing it again. I joined DollarShaveClub.com. And for a few bucks every month, DollarShaveClub.com deserve, uh, deserves, delivers great razors that I deserve right to my door. DollarShaveClub.com is so much smarter than going to the store. Their plans are just $3 a month. You sign up once, it takes less than two minutes, and then you just sit back and blades arrive like clockwork. You can shave with a fresh blade every week. No membership fee, no commitment. And they have a money-back guarantee, so you got nothing to lose by trying them out. So stop trudging to the store for overpriced razors and do what I did. Join dollarshaveclub.com slash weird. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash weird. Thanks for the sponsorship, guys. Enjoy the wonderful weirdness of Kyle Cease. Uh, I, I, my car is filthy. Absolutely filthy. What's that? You know, Kyle, I don't know you, man, 
But I think we're pretty similar. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> like, I brought you a chocolate. Dude, thank you. You're welcome. This is Dave. You know those are $30 each. Yeah. <laughs> I, I bumped into David like 10 times in the last year. I bumped really? into him the other day, and we started talking about you. And, no way. Yeah. No fooling. No kidding. That's fun. I know. Sounds... Oh, I love his chocolate. We can mention it. It's sacred chocolate. I yeah. love it. Yeah, man. I don't know how I feel about uh, maple sugar. This has maple sugar in it. Have you had the white one? I don't like white chocolate. I'm ashamed that you do. (laughs) Wait, you do? No, I actually love it. Do you love white chocolate? White chocolate chocolate to me tastes like uh, what is it? Soap or something? It's gross. I mean, you might be thinking of soap. (laughs) Did you? Did we get that? It was pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, but you're already recording. We're recording. You just start recording. Oh God, what if I just started? Saying the N-word over and the over whole, and over and over dude. and over and we release it. I have a, I That's have a, the whole episode. Every once in a while I have a fear that I will. Yeah, I mean, well, look, man, I'm I'm so excited you're doing it. I'm uh, – Saying – What? Saying the N-word? You saying – Okay, come on. Well, the bits you, are good. No, Those no. are good bits. But No, no I don't I mean said, stop the bits. That's oh. funny. I said I'm so excited you're doing it and you – I'm just yeah. – I have to get into comedy mode. I'm very tired. I Dude, I am too. Okay, hit yeah, it. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Well, that's why we I'm drinking fucking – angry. No, no, I want to be silly, and I want to do a weird one, and that's yeah. and by weird I mean uh, like you know out there, and by out there I just mean interesting. Yeah, but you know I think other people think those are out there things. But anyway, to your point uh, about like worrying about saying something wrong is right. I'm constantly having uh, recurring dreams that I'm like upsetting. Okay, I'll, I'll give you an example. La- last night, people that listen to the show know that I'm always saying the things that I was just thinking about always come up on the show. And how do we reconcile that? Some, you know, real like uh, living in the material world people would say, well, it just flags itself because you're only noticing the ones you notice. You know what I mean? Like you have a dream about 50 celebrities and then you see Ben Affleck and you go, I had a dream about Ben Affleck. And then it's a self-fulfilling prophecy and you're like, my dreams become real. Well, and then you start, I mean, there's there's that weird line between, there's there's people that, you know, the, in this, the funny line in the spiritual world are these people that, you know, they'll just be like, it's so weird. I just said I was hungry. And then four days later, I'm driving on the street and there's a McDonald's. <laughs> like, I swear the universe heard it. But you know what? Like, that's not. You know, it's so fucking weird. I think about this all the time that you could make a movie about someone like our friend David Wolf that yes. would make you not believe in him. Like, I because right. I think the path to true good stuff is sometimes paved with things that just are irrevocably horseshit. Right. Meaning you start believing things like I was hungry and four days later I saw a McDonald's to kind of tune yourself into the real ones. Right. There's like a little bit of a faking it till you make it sort of positivity sure. that doesn't hurt anybody. Right. But if you were to quantify it and hook people up to masters of sex styles, you know, like electrodes right. and stuff, you'd be like, well, nothing is happening. Nothing is happening. That's baloney pajoni. Right. For example. I'm with you on that. Thank I'm glad. Yeah, totally. I didn't know if I was being clear, so I was going to give you this no, one more example. I, it's fun. To, it's fun to, to talk and hear the I don't know, like the the depth of what you, you know. It's fun. It's nice to have a conversation on this level. Yeah, that's why I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, definitely. These are unironic. Yeah, I didn't like the first one, so I went back. No, yeah, but they didn't see. Did they, you're not? They can't me. see, but they hear clapping a lot. Yeah, and they know and they that. It, they know it's a high five. They know I'm off. not just doing an Olay. <laughs> No one sounded behind. Well, let me put this to you and then with this final example because I want to hear what you say about how 
horseshit can be on the way to something good. Here's okay. I was thinking about today about not necessarily horseshit. I don't really know. Let's figure, we'll find it together. I was thinking today about how uh, Tony Robbins, who I enjoy. Uh, I remember one time he was giving this talk, and he was like, "We used to say, eat fruit before noon, eat fruit before noon." <laughs> I and know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, I've been to those. And then, <laughs> and then he went, uh, "We used to say that, but the data is different. Don't eat fruit before <laughs> noon." Okay, right. Now I'm a big. I eat a lot of fruit in the morning. I like it. It, it's, it gets my brain going. Uh, I enjoy it. Uh, so what I wanted to say in my imaginary conversation with Tony Robbins this morning. Was were you unhappy when you were eating the, the oh fruit? Oh my god, dude! <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Because you're like the master of happiness. He's such a fulfilled person, and I'm like, was it not working? Yeah, didn't but, fruit before noon work? Well, also, what are the other factors in the fruit before noon didn't work? In yeah, other words, sure. Was it your resistance to yourself? Were you in a place where you were? You know, one thing that I know, I, I in my experience so far, like I've had, I've given myself different challenges or different things in my life. And I've had things really work dramatically, but I now am looking at it wasn't the method that was causing the result. Yeah. It was that I was evolving and, and excited about the evolving. Right. So Fucking one, A. You know what I'm saying? So like I do. My, in, That's why they won't yeah. tell I won't tell you to go to AA. You have to hit rock bottom. You have to have the will. The big, to one go of the to biggest LA. things I tell people is don't take other people's opportunity away to hit their own low. Ah, because ooh. it's in our lows that we're starting to come up with actually you fall upwards. That's what we yeah. call that. And and there's so many people that go to an event or they read a book and then they expect everyone else around them to. That's a big big mistake. Yeah, and and they're stopping that person from the low that is the same low that you had that got you to because to do this. We know in my own life, it's not the worst war story. My divorce had a huge wake up to me, and that's when I really felt that I started growing, right? Sort of thing. But then I got into Tony Robbins was my gateway me into too. Ah! yeah but that's that's uh, better do you know about michael beckwith's uh michael beckwith has a book called uh life visioning i don't know if you know no who michael beckwith is no i don't oh really hit oh it. dude we have to hit agape there's a <laughs> spiritual center out here he have you seen the secret uh i have he's okay he's oh wait is he the black dude yeah i've watched some of his stuff yeah so and I, I saw a video of you with Sassing him. him. Yeah. You gave him sass. It is a, it, it is so weird to come from the world of cynicism and yeah. then go also speak in the world well, of transformation. Let's speak about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, because comedy is a lot of times overall making fun of everything that is. It can be. And then transformation is everything's perfect. Right. And so I'm in this kind of paradox place right, right now, and I know you know what I mean. Well, I do know what you mean. People sometimes get frustrated on this show because they don't know if I'm trying to be like a like a spiritual teacher or if I'm trying to be a comedian and uh, right. I'm I'm very comfortable with that. <laughs> yeah, right. I just you're I mean it's just so exciting to me you exist. Yay. You know, for real because my <laughs> so many I've high had, fives. I've had so many people tell me like, dude, you guys are on that same You thing. and I? Yeah. Can I tell you a funny Kyle C story? Sure. I was in a bad relationship, and it's your fault. No, I'm just kidding. I was in a bad relationship and I was working at the Irvine Improv okay. for a weekend. I was opening for Jim Norton. And uh, I, the bad relationship has nothing to do with it. But we, she wanted to come and we stayed at a hotel nearby. For some reason, I forgot. I didn't know. So I didn't forget. I just never knew that the Saturday show, Friday is an 8 and a 10, let's say. Saturday is like a 6.30 and a 9. Right. They just changed the time. <laughs> so I just didn't go. Right. So I'm like by some pool with my girlfriend. 
And uh, and they called me, obviously, and they're like, where are you? And there was no way I was going to make it. I was like 45 minutes away. And they were like, it's okay. Kyle Cease just happened to walk by and, w- and went in and we put him on. <laughs> so I've already been mm. like, there's some guy. And then I found out that you're all spiritual and new agey. And I actually remember thinking like, oh, great. Kyle's going to really think he's in that flow because you were just walking by oh, and no, they I put don't... you on. I, I associated to that. Like I actually felt that way at the time. Now I'm kind of like, yeah, you happened to stop by a club when a guy wasn't on. That's pretty neat. Well, my my idea of flow isn't necessarily isn't necessarily that everything Goes lined way. up or went this. It's that um, I think so many people. So what I was actually going to say about this, which all go, comes together. Yeah, Michael Beckwith talks about the four you know there's a million different places you can be, but one is this. He talks about the four stages, and I have my own kind of way of. Of translating it for myself but the first place that people are in is a place called to me where almost everybody's saying this happened to me and 98 percent of this country are, are victims and people that said it's because of my mom and the economy that i can't well obviously if your life is all these things are happening and that's why i'm sad you're spending your whole life trying to control every circumstance and eventually it's going to run you into the ground and you're going to either commit suicide you're going to you know take an addiction to stop whatever or sure. you're going to figure out what caused it and then you go into the second stage called By Me, which is where Tony Robbins is. Mm. By Me is where you is learn... Is it B-U-Y? Because I did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I spent a lot of money on old T-Robs. <laughs> oh, me too, man. Uh, me too. And, but but I, there, I got I a lot of great things out oh, of it. Oh, me you know? too. Yeah. I re-listen to it every once in a while. Yeah. And the tapes are old. They're old. But yeah. I just like listening to a giant man... Who's, you can hear him smiling. Yeah. Hi. Go do it. Yeah. Uh, it's not good. And well, the thing about <laughs> not a good impression. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. I thought you were Tony. <laughs> it was an essence impression. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to- so so most people, if they're in the victim state, the only way you could actually create the a following mm. is is um, to speak to them in a victim state with stuff like, "Do you want the car? Do you want a million dollars? Do you mm-hmm. want to get the woman?" That's where Tony started coming from, in a way. You'd see these things. Do you want to have the number one blah, blah, blah? And do you mm-hmm. want to get the girl and everything? Mm-hmm. And the secret also kind of is in that place, sure. right? Mm-hmm. So I went from that, from both, from to me to buy me. When I, at one point, was touring, I did 68 colleges in a row. Got that's, exhausted. That's too many. It was ridiculous. That's too many. I did 850 in my 20s, 850. And 850 total in that colleges, decade? yeah. And, That's too many. And it was too many because 13 <laughs> NACAs and it was great. But I toured. And at the time, you're just getting to the next gig because when we're younger, we kind of think the gig completes us. In other words, my life depends on that set, right? So right. that's why a lot of comics get really depressed if they bomb or they're almost way too cocky. And wasn't I great all night if they kill? They're believing their own hype. Right. And so they're bringing their stage into their life. And it's actually a very subtle addiction versus the other way around, which is where you bring your life into the stage, where you play all day, and then you just, the stage makes you two feet higher, and you bring your Mm. experience into it, versus like, this thing completes me. Mm -hmm. And so... By me is the second stage where you learn that you're a victim of your circumstances, but you can change your circumstances. Mm-hmm. So I started learning all these Tony Robbins things and going, how can I have the number one Comedy Central special? How can I? And I, I did. Like, I had right. one different things because I thought, how can I win this? How can I? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a downside to that after a while. I mean, it runs its course. Can I interrupt? That's yeah. what I do. Sure. I just, I, I'm so into what you're saying. That is uh, Breaking Bad and that's hip hop and it's the consciousness, consciousness spectrum. I always forget what it is. Spiral Dynamics. Mm-hmm. You know Spiral Dynamics? Uh, no. You, you should look that up. We'll trade these But I'm sorry I said, mm-hmm. No, no, no. I was like, yeah. And then oh, you I didn't, didn't know it and I was like. I actually, 
I am the type of person that will, mm-hmm, people will be like, uh-huh, <laughs> just to let them keep going, and then maybe right. I'll pick up context clues and go, right. I did fush I know what I'm Yeah. I did <laughs> know. <laughs> and I don't think, I didn't catch you at a lie at all. No, no. People sometimes. I was more being a character. I believe it. Yeah. I just want you to be comfortable. This I just realized that, sort what, of that night I did Irvine. Mm. Was be, not not to go back. I was at David Wolf's. I was speaking at David Wolf's thing in Costa no Mesa. Way. Oh, just, you remember that time? I do remember yeah. going and doing a spot during a Jim Norton weekend yeah. at Irvine. Yeah, and I just walked by and was like, "Oh, do you want me?" And I did like a twenty-five minute because that was me. Spot. Yeah, I hope they paid you because they took that out. as they ought to have. They did not. Well, I didn't. They just grossed. Right, but yeah. it's fascinating. It was you. It was me. That it was, you and know. that you were at uh, some sort of longevity. Thing. Yeah, I was speaking at his thing. Here's what I think you'll enjoy, which is why I interrupt, and you, you, we will remember where you are. Sure, is that we're talking about purple to red, uh, which is. I believe I'm getting the colors right. Purple is the world happens to me, and red is I happen to the world. Hmm. Walter White oh, gets from Tony's lung cancer. Thing? I think he uses it. He didn't come yeah. up with it. Uh, it's it's um, something I actually learned from Rob Bell. He taught me it. It was this idea that, like, you get lung cancer, and that's very superstitious. God hates me. The world hates me. I'm going to die. And then red is very appealing because that's the shift in consciousness to, fuck that, I'm making meth. Right. And then what, what brought it to mind was sometimes going to that shift – you lose your family and you die in a in a meth lab, you know, or not right. a biker. I don't want to do any spoilers, but uh, you know what I'm saying. Sure. Sometimes that empowerment can be uninformed and shallow, right? And then you end up the tragic uh, movie star or the tragic music person right. that did empower themselves. They came from the projects. If it's a typical like hip hop kind of Fifty Cent story, or uh, and sometimes it goes sideways. You know what I mean? Or right. they were raised badly and now they have all the attention. But then you know Marilyn Monroe sort of thing. But they're still even though they can control their st- circumstances, a victim to their circumstances. That's right. So even though things are really good, you're all happy like I made it. But the underlying thing you're implying is making it includes all these people love me and I'm at this place. Well, if that's what you're happy about, then you're in a situation where if someone doesn't, you're, you have to change it again. And eventually you have these, in that second stage, a lot of the people, and, and it's necessary because you can't get people straight to Eckhart Tolle from, mm-hmm. you know, that first place. Put yourself in a place. Yeah. And, then, and that's why I think... <laughs> my Eckhart Tolle is better than my Tony Robbins. You're here now. <laughs> I, I spoke with I him. I was in a place of absolute bliss. So that was pretty good. not bad. I think if we combined ours, yeah, yours you has have something, the accent, yeah, and, have the and de- you have the, the depth. air, yeah. Some, I can't. Some I was in a plat. I, I went into a place of, of absolute, absolute bliss. When, when people, people say they don't believe in God, they say it with such certainty. What's in the box? Ah, uh, <laughs> you had been sitting on gold the whole time. Uh, yeah, that's what I was doing. <laughs> I knew. Did, did you look in the box? <laughs> the beggar was sitting on a box of gold. That was really good. <laughs> that was- so I did. I did. Have you heard of the conference Gate Global Alliance of Transformational that Entertainers? That sounds way too much like a cult. <laughs> yeah, no, just the name. <laughs> it's Jim Carrey and Eckhart Tolle. Ooh! Yeah. You suddenly, know, I, I'm just yeah. complete 180. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They wouldn't do cults. <laughs> Those guys would never. Great Jim Carrey quote. I wish everybody could have all the money in the world and do everything they ever wanted. So they get that it's not it. So they could see it. Yeah, that's not the answer. Yeah. Yeah. That's, dude. Right. You're like my soulmate. Hit it. Yeah. This is very exciting. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. I, I got it. Yeah, go on. Keep going. Keep well, by me. Well, okay. So I'll go to that. But I, I did a set in front of Jim Carrey and Eckhart Tolle. No and way. they came out and I said, this is really weird because I'm told all the time, I'm what would happen if Jim Carrey and Eckhart Tolle had a kid. Huh. And I said, I don't know if you guys are picturing that. Eckhart, I know you're not because that's a thought and I know you don't have those. <laughs> and I said, some, some of you might think that's really offensive, but that joke's in the past so Eckhart doesn't know about it. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was my favorite night ever to do this very specific that crowd. Is an you know. unbelievable joke. Yeah, that is a laser cut diamond right there. It was really fun. for that audience. Holy shit, dude! They went nuts. Did Jim Carrey go nuts? Oh yeah, I talked to him for twenty minutes. I believe it. Excited because I want to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, I don't mean to be so shallow and obvious, but what a fun thing. Yeah. Dude, yeah. I think that I'll tell you that, I mean, I'm sure you know this in your way, and I'm sure we should talk about this so much, but what I've discovered in, in doing this and, and experiencing the shift and that I've experienced in my life and owning it, what has happened to me is I went at one point from being, you know, one out of several comics in a lineup at a club that I can't quite say, I, I don't feel yet that I can say what I want to say. Yep. You know, the audience maybe has a talent scout in the audience or whatever. You do a set and you're in the lineup. And now I go speak at these events. I'm the only comic. I yeah. can say everything I believe. And the entire audience are usually like the owners of Paramount because everyone in a success seminar is successful. Right. <laughs> so, you know, so you just get like 500 cards handed to you every time you do a spot. It's yeah. some giant thing. And yeah. then they're like, they're like, come work for my company. Come do a thing. And I found this crazy world of you know one thing that's so special about what you've experienced and and what I know is that we have the ability to combine comedy and and like legit comedy not the the not speaker that does it. a street joke when they right, before right, right, they right, start right, right. and then we also have uh the ability to like get people to wake up in our in our talks and like maybe a company can have better sales or the people can feel more fulfilled or like this is crazy for the lecture circuits at the colleges right you know and but there's like there's not that competition even exists or is a thing, but it doesn't matter. And it's does it that doesn't happen because like now I've just created this place for myself where I'm working constantly. Right. And I'm doing well, that's what I love beautiful. and I'm saying what I love. And the, 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 it's kind of forming around my ownership of myself here. But you had, I, again, I say these things not for you, but for the listeners, not to be too secrety, but you just thought mapped an idea of a place where you belonged. Mm. Like, and I, I, going back to cynicism, just in everyday life, we often think that we don't, that there isn't a place where we actually belong. Right. Where what we do naturally will be not just monetarily or, or applause and laughs rewarded, but just like, we'll click, we'll fit and be like, oh, this is where I belong and these, these are my people and those are my people and they like me and I like them sort of thing naturally. Right. Not because I'm winning them over with wit or whatever. It's just that we're on the same page. And I don't think a lot of people ever greenlight that initial thought that and, something like that could exist. Well, and the underlying illusion is completely that you that wh- where you fit in is a thing. That where you know wh- which group of people do I have to like me? Who's my niche? Right. V- that is that is conditioning, in my opinion, where you're you're born and you're totally complete, and then society has to turn you into a consumer. The news has to scare you all day, and now the problem with by me in that world is you. When you ask how do I do this, usually your mind scans through a world of things that have already been done, right? Mm-hmm. Like how do I have a good joke? Well, this comic did it this way, or how do I have a good company? Well, this company was really successful when they marketed this way, right? But you're not allowing yourself to tap into your actual creativity. You're moving from your brain and memory and fear, actually, mm. to get something. Because the underlying thing is, when I get something, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. And that we have experienced enough times in our life. When something happens, I'll be happy. We've experienced it enough to know that that's not true. Because we think, when something happens, I'll be happy. And then the second we get it, we go, what's next? And right. Or how do I sustain this movie role? Or I hope I don't blow it here. Or, right. Or whatever it is, and we just go, what's next? And and we're constantly in this rat race of when something happens, I'll be happy, and then chasing these things. Well, eventually, it it 
and and in that circumstance, you're also controlling everything to get to that circumstance. Right. So you're still a control freak in by me, mm-hmm. you know, and you're not trusting. And by trust, I don't mean the guidance of like that sign over there and that sign over there. I mean, like, what do you actually want to do? And then when you feel like I actually feel that this is a kind of a funny thing to say, but I feel like we really do have two voices inside of us. And the first voice is a feeling of like, we should leave this company. And, and it can't tell you why. Like if you have a job you don't like, but it feels good. It's this first voice. It's like if we, we should leave this company, that feeling that feels good is a preview. But it, it's like when you leave it, you'll always feel this good. Mm-hmm. But it can't tell you why because you've never done it. And then a second group of thoughts comes in. That's a that's a collection of thoughts that other people, it's your mom talking and everything. And it, goes, and it comes up with why you shouldn't leave. And it is the most mediocre reason. It's like, yeah, but if we leave this company, we can't go to the Cheesecake Factory party next Thursday. <laughs> and the first voice is like, it's if you'd learn to listen to me, mm-hmm. you'd own all the Cheesecake Factories in two months and you could make them all vegan. And the, <laughs> <laughs> the second voice was like, "You said that for yeah, me, but, thank you. yeah, totally, I did, because I just had eggs." But <laughs> you son of a, just kidding. But, but there's, 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 there's an argument to be and made. And most right. people go, "Well, I can't just do what I feel because I have to make money." And what they don't understand is they're losing so much money by not doing. The What's thing the risk they of not to do? People know people are good at identifying the risk of doing something they want to do, but they're not good at identifying the risk of not doing something that they want to do. Right. That's also Rob Bell. That because here's the thing: is when you're about to do something exciting your mind can only measure what you will lose it can't measure what you'll gain right so when you're about to break up with someone your mind is focused on the loss of one person versus the gain of seven billion people if you're bisexual and willing to date anyone (laughs) but but your mind is focused on the lack if i leave this company i'll be broke no you just opened 40 hours a week up for your creativity right for your blogging or your possibility but you're right it is a construct there's something and and we're all victim to them yeah and there we enjoy the benefits of them the cheesecake factory is a good example if right. we participate that we're in this place and, and that cheesecake is a good thing to eat and uh, booths are comfortable things to be in and waiters are people that take your order and you, you buy into all that right. those are easy to buy into those are facts uh, you get to enjoy that, but you also do have the subtle restraint of the mythology of your tribe. Right. You know what I mean? And that's why every great hero story, whether it be Christ or King Arthur or a Buddha or whatever, are these people that don't fit in with their tribe, leave it, right. come back, and then see who they can bring over to their new tribe. That is so weird because I actually feel like there's so many similarities to that in where I am in my life because you, grow, you grew, do grow up in this – I started doing comedy when I was 12 – so what? I learned how to be a comic before a person. You and count those years? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. By, by me telling – by basically what I did was I traded garbage pail kids with a friend. But you were doing time. Yeah. That, you had bits. I just said, look at this one. Yeah. So it was my bit. Always close yeah. on Adam Bomb. My first club was when I was 31. <laughs> but I was like – That's not what I meant. Well, you were doing it 12 by how? I was doing clubs like, when I was 12. No. Yeah. Like Giggles Comedy Club in Seattle. and The perfect. And, you went to the most childish name, Giggles. Right. It sounds like I ad-libbed that. <laughs> Yeah, I went to uh, Giggles and Trapper Keepers. and uh, <laughs> Trading stickers. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I've done that circuit. Yeah. <laughs> so you did a club when you were 12? I, I didn't did, know that. Yeah, yeah. I did clubs when I, and when I, was, when I was 15. It's so funny because my natural childhood state was actually guiding me better than my adult years for a, a long time. Because as a kid, I would just say, oh, this was the actual thought I had when I was 15. I said, how do I make more money as a comic? Like, how can I really do this? Because I was working clubs. I'd worked them for three years at 15. That's and I'd crazy. go do weekends and stuff. 
And I asked a comic, I was like, how do comics make good money? And he goes, well, there's corporate parties, like companies. And I was like, oh, how do I do corporate parties? And so I went home and I called the Chamber of Commerce and said, can I get the mailing labels? And then I made a flyer that said, having a corporate party looking for entertainment called Kyle Cease, sent it out to 500 companies and instantly was doing Sears, Nintendo, Microsoft, and all like winter, I was doing everyone's Christmas party. What? Yeah, because no one does that, right? Because no one, everyone goes, how do I do it? Well, I have to go get an agent. I have to go yeah. get these things and then they go to the cattle world and it's so funny because I have discovered every single thing I thought that I needed to get something when I had that thing I couldn't get the thing so for instance I was with uh, I was with Gersh for a long time and they're a great agency they're great people but in the three years that I had Gersh I was going out for movie after movie but my underlying feeling was I hope I don't blow it with Gersh so mm. I was in a very people pleasing <coughs> way in the auditions so you weren't a fearless creative right it was like what do they want to hear because right. I had all those acting teachers that were like they have to hear this way word for word and I didn't bring myself into the audition right fear so then there was a thing in me that was like what if you drop Gersh you Mm. know what if you let go of him and my mind could totally just it just felt good you did the thing you did the two voices it did the two voices but the second voice was totally like yeah but that's where you get your auditions and everything I couldn't see it, but I just said, I'm, I'm going to go. I know this doesn't make sense, but because I'd also created the, my own college tour and all these things on my own, and they were taking a commission of it, mm-hmm. and it felt out of alignment with me. It just kind of felt heavy. So I let go of them. I understand that. And then right after that, I did that gate performance in front of Eckhart and Jim Carrey, but like I felt Wait, really how old good. were you? This old, that was recently. This was an example from recently. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I, went, I thought that we were going chronologically. Yeah, no, I, I should have. Please keep it chronological. Yeah, but time's not real. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> well, I was waiting for. I wait to hear we my need, 60 year old story. We need to go back to that idea of of <laughs> of uh, when I do the thing, I'll be happy because going back to the present. Right. We, we almost didn't give the punchline to that. Sure, but well, keep going on this. Well, the. I have a couple things. Which one should we do? Because there is... I just want people to... I'm just going to say it, and we'll get to it later. The idea of putting off happiness to something later is denying the inherent bliss of existing. Well, even thinking, like, I got to get in the moment is a job for later. You are the moment. Right, right, right. You know, so many people go, when I get in the moment, I'll be happy. And then you put resistance immediately there. That's right. And when Olek Hitol fell into that oblivion, I've listened, I listened to it on tape. I love hearing him read it, uh, The Power of Now. That, that opening story of him just realizing that he was there. That, I say it on the show all the time, that feeling like you're an alien visiting the planet. Right. You know what I mean? Seeing yes. it with new eyes is a place that you can get through meditation or I like to do a, a certain tapping technique, all these different things. Sure. Um, and anyway, that's, that's if there, there isn't the answer. I just didn't want to leave that hanging. Sure. It was like a, you know. No, no, no. Dangling modifier. But uh, the other thing I wanted to say to you was the thing that I want to represent, even though I'm on your team here, that uh, I think what people see, and I know I see, and I knew I know I saw, and still continue to see, to be honest. I, I see people like Deepak Chopra when I was with him that weekend dealing with, for lack of a better term, the comedy term nuts. Mm-hmm. Okay? Nuts. I'm not saying he's nuts. I'm, I'm not really – nobody's nuts. But you understand what I mean when I say nuts. Well, I do get that very much. Well, here we go. You're going to get this. When I hear the story about the kid uh, putting his uh, the mailing address on the flyers and sending them out and booking the things, what rubs society, what rubs our mythology the wrong way mm-hmm. about stories like that is – and take you out of it maybe. Sure. Is that kid ready? Should he do it? Or is he kind of hacking away around it mm. through like resolve 
and then he's going to get something that he didn't earn and didn't get the stripes for. Here's the example that doesn't involve you that might help. I remember I was auditioning for Conan years and years ago, uh, and there was another guy there, and uh, he he was just like looking really nervous, mm-hmm. real nervous. And I was just like, "What's up, man?" I kind of chatted him up at the bar. And he was like, "Oh man, I'm so I'm so stoked! I saw Conan. I saw Conan at an ice cream parlor in Vermont, and I went up to him and I said, "What's going on? My name is Brandon, or whatever. My name is Brandon, and I'm going to be on your show one day." Right. Real the secret. Real the secret. Ugh. Like he was preaching. But the thing about, his interpretation. Yeah, so many problems. With I know that you're going to have a lot of problems. You're going to uh, have to hear the whole punchline. Is that he then goes up and he had done stand up like three times. Right. So he did put his sticker on the postcard. He did send it to Sears. He did do the thing. No one goes up to Conan because you shouldn't fucking go up to Conan. You should wait for Conan to see you yes. when you're a legit Santa. And I know you agree. But I'm just saying what makes people's dick shrivel when we start going like, we can do it. Do it. And we go. I've been to Dude, Longevity Conference. So and I've seen middle-aged women in jazzy jackets standing up and clapping and talking about how they have it. And maybe they do. I don't mean to judge. And I am being a little bit of a shit. I'm just saying I'm trying to represent that thing that off-puts no, people. No, and, and that is something that I'm passionately against, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm with I didn't you. Think, I didn't think you were. But there's just – I don't want us to get a little – a bit too – because I will just hit the ball back to you. And right. I'm trying to think well, of the think people one, listening. One, this is going to be funny to say, but one factor I feel that actually helped me in that was that I was a kid. And, of course. And, and um, I hadn't actually tapped into the part of me that doesn't believe in myself at <laughs> all. That, that, like, I'm not kidding. Like, yeah. There was an oblivion to this that was really awesome because there's so many people that do make decisions from a total place of denial and that's not being honest with where you are and I've worked I've done so many events and I've seen so many people that don't actually do the inner work and just suddenly mm-hmm. start saying universe every other day I know people I've, I'm very passionate against people that change the word annoy to manifest by just being like I manifested a ride the other day no right. you pissed off the guy right or uh, that's I, fucking brilliant I manifested a free dinner no you didn't throw in the yeah. universe isn't, you know, like, <laughs> the universe isn't asking, like, God, or whatever you yeah. want to call it, had nothing to do with you not tipping at Bertucci's. Right. Carol. And, and to me, the biggest factor, truly, in, if you want to say universe all day, is, are you doing... <laughs> I don't want to say what you want, what, what is like guided in you. And that's never, that's never go run up to Conan and do this because that's coming from a place of lack saying, when I get Conan, I'll be happy. Mm. When I get on this, I'll be happy because I'm incomplete without it. Right. And the first thing, in my opinion, where I am at least right now, and everything I believe changes every 10 minutes, so I'm sure I'll contradict myself and be when we're changing the the parking. I can't stop. Yeah, because we're we're wide open, and it's constantly a new discovery, and so I have no true conclusions. Yeah. But but I think that... I had a thought, and then I gave so much disclaimer that I forgot what the thought was. No, it's okay. (laughs) We're we're just talking about that idea of... Keeping in mind the annoying people. The if nuts. you, if you, I, and I really think that's such a great thing to talk about because it drives me nuts how many people there are that just print their business cards and they're just a life coach now, but that's they right. haven't done any right. actual what... transformation. That you know, coaching other people and and saying those things can be <clears throat> one of the most um, m- minor or. Sh- uh, 
hard to see deflections to actually doing the inner work. Mm -hmm. And I believe that when you actually do the alignment, what happens is when you, you know, let's say you're feeling like crap and you just allow yourself to feel and you get into the zone, whatever, and then it leaves. What you create is a space where you discovered that that fear you had was an illusion. And most people are changing the circumstance versus their perception of the circumstance. Mm. And when you do that, things not come to you necessarily in a magical sense. But if you go on a date with somebody and you really are in a place where you embody the idea that I'm complete as is, not the movie world of this person completes me, which Mm -hmm. means I'm incomplete without this Mm -hmm. person, then that person might find you more interesting because you have a backbone and a core. You're not playing with scared money. Right. You're not putting your mortgage on the poker table. You're you're playing with with true confidence and certainty. That you everybody says they get the audition, they book the job when they didn't care, when they went in just being themselves and playing it the way they play it, and then that lines up. And and people go, Well, how do I do that? Like when I when I go speak, this there is there is a fine line that actually still works the other way with what the the contrast to what you asked. Mm. And that's that when I go speak on stage now, I do three-day events sometimes. And I'm just, they're just to tap into creativity. They're very, yeah. they're very, you have your own abilities. They're very, the doors are wide open. They're yeah. very cheap. They're very, yeah. just come and create. They're what I think events need to be and they, that haven't been. Mm-hmm. And when I work with people, I work from this... I work from this very... I'm trying to remember what we were talking about because there's so many things boiling in my head yeah. right now. But, oh, I speak, and I speak for 20 hours straight, and I don't plan anything, okay? I literally... And what's amazing about it is day <laughs> one, I start, and I believe that we come from starting out our day, usually, you know, if we're scrolling through Facebook or whatever, you start yourself in a place of kind of lack, so you have a consumer mindset. And then you're responding. When you, well, when you start... So when, when you start creating anything or meditating or trying to write a bit or a song... The first 10 minutes often are very hard because you've just spent all day being in lack on Facebook or feeling like you need Starbucks to be happy or a girl or whatever. So if you're like that, then when you're writing your first thing, 99% of your mind is the monitor, not the creative part. Mm. It's the part looking at it going, this isn't good. Why is it saying that? Because it wants something. It wants a result because it thinks when I have the right joke, I'll be happy. Mm -hmm. But if you keep creating, you keep creating. What happens is... You get to a place where, like, if you've written for a while and you get five, six hours and you forget to go pee and you're in flow because, you know, you're not Mm -hmm, hungry. mm -hmm. That's what happens at my events. I start and I keep going. And then by day three, I've really shed so much creativity has exponentially come through that 99% of the monitor is gone now, Mm -hmm. right? So people say to me all day, I wish I could do that. And you know what I say? It's so weird because you did it when you went to a restaurant. You didn't have a set list. Mm -hmm. When you go to your friend's house, you don't go, first I'll ask him if he has ice cream and then you don't have a set list. Mm -hmm. You just start. The difference between that guy going on to Conan and you being at your friend's house is that guy is under the illusion that getting Conan will make him fulfilled and happy. So he actually puts himself in resistance to a circumstance that he could do actually, if he was at dinner with a friend, like, you know, we've all experienced being at a restaurant or at a friend's house and just saying something really funny. Mm. And it just came through. And I think every human beings experience that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I wonder if that means that it's available for all of us to tap into, mm-hmm. which sometimes pisses people off. Like comics go, no, it's a natural talent. And maybe it is. But one time I, I wonder if when I was funny and I was a kid, my dad laughed at me and totally encouraged it and supported it. But what if my parents had a headache in that moment and said, you're not funny? Mm. And I just wouldn't have been doing it, maybe, mm-hmm. you know. But if any person has ever said anything funny once at a restaurant or with their friends, 
there is something available if they stop trying so much. Mm-hmm. They have the evidence of that one time. This is interesting. Does that make sense? It does. It absolutely makes sense. Um, and I wonder. It is threatening to to the comedian because uh, yeah. we want to think we're so special and all that sort and of stuff. They are. This is very. You know, <laughs> I had so many thoughts when you were talking. One of the challenges. So I just moved and I have a porch now and I will sit in the sun with a watermelon and my girlfriend on the porch and I will experience bliss, right? Mm. And that's tricky because I'm with you. Remember? I'm with you. And I want to know that on the bus is bliss. I was just in line for these juices and I found a nice little moment right Mm -hmm. there. You know what I mean? I understand that. I am so excited to know that that I really am (laughs) so excited to hear someone talk like me. You know, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, because that was a funny way to say it, but like to hear to hear that this matters to another comedian, yeah, really is exciting. To I, me. I'm happy to hear that, man. Like, really, I felt very like <laughs> I was like Louis C.K. I know feels this way. Does he? Well, I feel a lot of consciousness and a lot of trusting and releasing in every move he's made. I do I too. Mean? I do too. Throwing out his material, getting off of Facebook, yeah, you know, and like then at one point throwing out HBO culture. and yeah, and what he did was kept letting go of all the vices that he thought he needed to make it. That's right. And then tapped into the greatest writing that's right, right there. Right. This oil well of amazing comedy. And, and believing, you know, he went from, as he said, reciting uh, a written thing to communicating. Right. And that was a bit left brain to right brain or right brain to left brain. I can never remember which. But that, uh, that was a thing that changed my life forever. I went from set lists and jokes to bullet points. And a lot of people want to jump right to that. Go to an open mic now. You'll see people going up for the second time in their life. And they're just like, my mom fucking won't knock. It's like – right. Write some jokes first, you know, like get yeah, earn it, build, earn it, earn it, earn it, earn it, and then kill it, and then kill it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to have the calf to kill first. Right. Get the calf first. Uh, but I'm waiting. Here's the dilemma that I'm having currently right now, listening to you. So I can be in line, and I can, you know, I had a flare up of impatience because the people in front of me didn't know how to order, and then uh, you know something that I'm working on. He's just going, this is it. This is all there is. Because when you're tense, you're thinking where you're supposed to be. That You're thinking in the future. Mm-hmm. This is me. When you're in traffic, the reason why people hate traffic, you got air conditioning. If your car has air conditioning, usually it'll have air conditioning, has the radio, you're seated. You right. know what I mean? You can look at the sky. There's lots of different things to do. Uh, but you get upset because your brain is telling you you're supposed to be at the podcast with Kyle right now. Move, 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 move. But when you tell your brain this is it, this is all there is, we're actually really bad customers. We don't complain and stuff. Like if you're too in the moment, right. nobody will ever change the formula on that uh, maple syrup you like. But anyway, so I'm in the line and I found that bliss. But then I also – the yesterday morning sitting uh, – on my porch with the sun and the watermelon and my girlfriend, that did feel circumstantial. Hmm. Again, I'm just trying to represent the other side because that, ha- that my house is not cheap. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It took a lot of work to get a place with a porch. You know what I mean? Yeah. And those watermelons aren't cheap. <laughs> you know, it's not super <laughs> expensive, but you have to have American money and the chairs you're sitting on and you're feeding the grass was not a free moment. Right. I understand that there's a commune that we could all be living on. We could all be like putting ourselves into a communal good. But I live in Los Angeles and to carve out that little piece of lawn that I'll be right behind you if you want to say is not is nothing and it's not mine and I don't own anything. Right. I'm right there with you. But it's it's conflicting to all those beliefs and to the people listening and thinking. I can feel them thinking when I have cuz when I was in an apartment listening to my neighbors fucking talk to each other and play music and video games and TV and all the time. I was like, when I am in my house, I'll be happy. And then I moved to my house and sometimes I go, I was right. (laughs) 
You know what I mean? Yeah. And what do we do with that? I guess I don't. I, I would say we don't have to like. I think part of this whole process is not being so cut and dry. You know, and being like, it's it's circumstantial now or it's this. In fact, when you, I think the test is in a given moment, like even when you reflect on it now, realizing when something, oh, that felt circumstantial, being okay with that thought coming up right yeah. now. Yeah. Because you're just, you really, you know, the I think space that, is... that that, because that, that's the, that's the, I don't want to say that's the practice because then you, you're picturing future there, but like, right. I really... You know, I have that all the time where I'll be like, well, wait, I'm still, you know, the dilemma is, and especially if you're reading a ton of self-help books, they all conflict each other. And, (laughs) you know, you're sitting here going, well, should I be okay with you could be in any situation, you could be in prison, you should be able to be tortured and be happy, you know, Mm. it's like, it doesn't mean I want to live in a crappy area and choose to or be tortured. Yeah. But then there's certain things like, I'm in a relationship right now with someone who we she's been through the works and she's done her own inner work and out you know come out of a lot of crazy stuff and because of that see she sees through most of her bs beliefs and i know she sees through mine Mm. and it is causing us to call each other out on everything like Mm -hmm. it is the most fascinating (laughs) and i'm and i am experiencing right now and she is too a lot of moments where you know like for instance the other okay here's a great example uh, I was just, I'm, I'm a musician too. And I was singing and, and, and I was singing some, I was singing Smokey Robinson. So I'm singing high notes. Like, Ooh, babe. And I sang to her and I just looked at her and I sang it and she's got a book in her hand and she goes, I'm reading. <laughs> and like every part of my, you know, the comic from some teen yeah, movies. That hurt my feelings. Yeah. There was a part of me, yeah, right? Wouldn't it be funny if this it turned did. into me being like, isn't she an asshole? Like, <laughs> and I disagree. Yeah, yeah, that's the worst. Yeah, dude, you got to get out of that shit. Um, but in my 20s, I would do a show, and you know what this is like to perform and have people love you <clears throat> for a, you're funny, or what you said was wise, or that was for me, right. you know? And what that did was it got me to not know who I was in that it's like going on a giant hike, but over a speed bump, there's not depth to it. There's nothing. They Mm. would say compliments of a characteristic. And then I didn't have to go deeper. When this woman did this, I had to stop and reflect on myself and feel for her. And like, I felt all this shit inside me come up and it's starting to dawn on me now that when you're in a relationship with someone, they actually have no ability to make you sad. They have the ability to shine a light on a part of you you don't like. Mm. And so there is something mm. I'm getting out. Like, in other words, you know, for instance, when Tiger Woods cheated, all of America went apeshit because most of them cheat or there there's some history about cheating. There's a thing where it really affects them. So mm. I really believe that one of the reasons why America goes apeshit when a celebrity is cheating and they have panels on CNN talking about it is because We're it all hits cheaters. close to home or right. there's a lot of cheating. Well, but when there's yep. like a, a starving kid, you know, a massive starvation in, in Africa... America doesn't know what that's like because they're never hungry, mm. you know. So they're they're mostly they'd might be they'd be more sympathetic to the, if there was a country where everyone was really full. Mm. Like they'd be like, oh, I know what you mean. You go bed sweaty. Like we need to stop this <laughs> because that's what America's feeling. So right. we only are triggered by things that we don't like about ourselves. Mm-hmm. In fact, I've read a thing once that like ninety percent of gay porn is actually downloaded by Bible Belt states. Mm. You know, because they're so passionately like if they have a feeling or something and then immediately have to repress it, they right. don't like that. So. So when something happens with my girl and it triggers me, 
I'm going, what in me do I not like about myself? What's about to come up? So there are some circumstances that I like to stay in that are shitty to find out about. But that doesn't mean like you should, you know, stay in an apartment where it's totally awful. I also ask myself, what do I want? I turned out what I want now is like I moved to Calabasas to a place that was one fourth as expensive as, as where I have, but it's much more nature and there's hills and hiking. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, I sold my house to get there and it's just got pools and stuff and it's cool. But it's <laughs> It's also like, you. it's not the story that I would have thought the next step is I go to the mansion now. Mm-hmm. I've just let go and, you know, cleaned out my house and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm answering like 19 things. No, I know. Time. And I'll just bring us back to another one of the, going back to the nuts a little bit. I, I think delusion is just such, such a interesting thing. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to my point about uh, David, David Wolf, is that like, I, I do know because there are moments you could watch, you could make a 15 minute reel of my life. That would make you uh, believe in me, not not like in a religious way, but be like, that's a good person. Or 15 minutes, that would make you go, that's a bad person. Mm-hmm. Because there's just so sure. many moments and there's so much delusion and it's working sometimes in my favor and sometimes it's not working in my favor. But it's kind of going back to one of those things we were talking about. Some people go like, I can be on Conan. And that's like this almost too much delusion because you don't have anything to base that on. Then people also have the delusion I could never be on Conan. Either way, you either have right. the, the lonely, low delusion or the high, high delusion. You want to be in the middle of that delusion spectrum where you use it almost like you use anxiety or whatever if you ever experience that. You can oh, use anxiety. Well, that was my trigger. Yeah. Yeah, that's what started me. What do you mean? Well, my, you had my, to salve it? My, my beginning into the transformation world was after touring, developing a, a suicidal level anxiety. Really? Oh, my God. It was crazy. After and all those colleges? After all those colleges. Well, I did. So I did 68 colleges in a row. At the end of the tour, I got uh, pneumonia on the road. I was hospitalized on the road. Wow. And then in 2005, this was so those 2004 and 2005, I would go on stage and I had, I could do three hours in my sleep at that point because I'd done so many colleges. Mm. And if, and so I wasn't creating new material. And I'm starting to have, I, I've had a belief for years actually that if you don't keep creating, your mind will creatively sabotage you. So even if you have developed a ton of stand-up or whatever, there was a point where I could go on stage and crush it, but inside I was bored out of my mind. Mm. I could think of other things. And one day I just thought of a sabotaging thought. I just thought, uh, in 2005, I'm on stage, bored, killing, but inside I just thought, I wonder if you could think about it enough if you could make yourself faint. That was the thought I had. And at the time, I thought who I was was a comedian. Meaning, like, I'm this dorky kid in high school. I booked the movie 10 Things I Hate About You. All of a sudden, everybody likes me. Then I booked Not Another Teen Movie. And all of a sudden, I get all this love. So in most of my 20s, I didn't even feel worthy of talking to someone unless they knew I was a famous comedian or Mm. an actor. Mm -hmm. And so that would set the bar where I had this worthiness. But if that goes away, if my comedy career goes away, that means who I am goes away also, right? So mm-hmm. people do that with money. Who I am is I'm a millionaire. Well, when they lose their money, they actually are really depressed or whatever because they think that's who they are. So in 2005, I'm on stage and I just thought, I wonder if you could think about it enough if you could make yourself faint. And then right when I thought that, I got dizzy, which made it kind of shift into being a belief. Like, mm-hmm. I wonder if I could make myself faint. Now I got evidence of it. I walk off stage, I start telling comics, I go, I have this thing where I'm worried I'll faint on stage. And they're like, oh yeah, you totally could. And they're not helpful. <laughs> and then the girl I was dating, I started worrying all day. I was like, I'm going to faint when I'm on stage. And she's like, baby, you're not going to faint. And now I'm associating love to worrying, which I think we do as a society. Like when you're depressed, everybody loves you. They're here for you. But when right. you're successful, they're like, 
Fuck people you. that wish for illness yeah. so they get attention. Yeah, you know? right. Because because when you get that diagnosis or you're depressed or you're yeah. you know, mm-hmm. so um, I worried until I got on the stage again. And then at one point I got to a place where I conditioned myself that I'm when I'm on stage, I'm going to make myself faint. And the over- underlying belief I also had was you can't not think about something. So I'm going to keep thinking about this mm-hmm. and it's going to make me faint and it's going to make me faint on stage and it's going to ruin my comedy career. It sounds crazy, but I think every anxiety usually stems from a really weird thought. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone with an anxiety is like, I'm just worried that this dick is going to float in my room and be in my head my name will be dr penis head for a month and you're like that doesn't make sense and like i know it doesn't make sense but it, <laughs> it feels real to me yeah so for every day i started worrying before i went on stage and was totally a victim to that and then at one point i got to a point where i couldn't walk anymore i had to i had to be walked places and i remember trying to get to a gig i'm not kidding because the what? i started well i started worrying about fainting everywhere and it would got to a point where I would wake up and my anxiety would snowball into a place where my mind was just running me. It was the first time in my life that a thought got away from me. Mm. And I, every second, the only thing I knew was, well, just don't think about it. Well, that just makes you think about it. Mm-hmm. So at one point, I'm at the beach and I'm actually tempted to kill myself and I'm feeling this. And at one point, I got a call that I booked my first Comedy Central appearance. I got premium blend with three months notice and my manager goes, don't blow it. And I'm thinking, how could I blow? What if I faint on this? So all of a sudden, it became this obsession that I'm going to get my one shot. I know it makes no sense. No, now, but you just you s- made it make sense because you brought stand up into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's why a lot of entertainers do drugs is like that seven minute set in three months. Don't blow it. Your right. whole life depends on that. I letterman. ruined uh, Christmas because I booked a weekend with Gaffigan at the Cleveland Improv uh, and I booked it in like... Uh, November and I was anxious for two months. Ruined Thanksgiving, ruined Christmas. I couldn't. I couldn't stop thinking about all the ways it could go wrong. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because in your mind, at that point, the most we know is without even knowing we know this is that thing completes me. Right. And people won't like me if I have a bad set. Right. And the other underlying illusion is that who you are is what people think about you. And the weird corny shift that I had was the revelation that you are what you love, not what loves you. Hmm. If you really look at your childhood, you just did what you loved. You just played. You pretended you were a DJ. And you never were in the, in the fantasy. You never were checking your view count and what your income was. And, right. you know, you weren't in your childhood. You weren't thinking, what did I get? After a while, society turns you into a consumer, so you go into a place of, I have to get to be happy, because the only way to sell us shit we don't need is to get us to think that we're a piece of crap, and then that run Prozac it. commercials. Right. You know, so if you're in this place of <laughs> anxiety at all, or you're trying to get something good, one, you're saying that moment's more important than the moment I'm in, but you're also saying that thing completes me, but... And and so you're in lack. And my practice started after I discovered all of this. I went to that third stage called Through Me, which is where you get you release control and you just love each moment. So I I slip all the time. But if I consciously am aware that I'm under an illusion when thoughts come up and I love the thoughts, then I could love you in this moment, love doing this, love meeting the people. But I get that each moment is equally important. Whether I'm performing for Obama, I'm asleep, whether I'm talking to you, if I'm on Conan, if I'm mowing the lawn, it's equally important. Mm. And then you go to a stage of you are what you love, not what loves you, which is a quote from the movie Adaptation. And my practice became enjoying like on the flight on the way to do a weekend even if it was high pressure all my focus went into enjoying you know the person i'm meeting on the plane getting to the hotel and then i started walking onto the stage and paying attention to the steps when i walked onto the stage mm. i go on stage and a new hour would come out of me 
that I had never prepared that was better than all my hits because I'm coming from no resistance. Hmm. If you're wanting to make something good, <laughs> I'm coming from less resistance. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I just enjoyed it. Yeah. So, but the anxiety actually triggered me actually first from to me to buy me, which is where I learned how to change the thinking. Well, I remember hearing about you in that phase mm -hmm. and I remember worrying, uh, who's this Kyle Cease guy? He had the comedy boot camp and stuff. Oh, yeah. And I'll just tell you what I heard about it was that you were telling people what if I said I'd kill your mother in a year if you don't get on Letterman? Boy, is that not accurate. Okay, and, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. But it was just kind of like that intense, take it serious. Then that's how it got right. misconstrued. And I just remember being like, that doesn't sound right at all. Well, I'm happy to talk about that whole circumstance. And what I don't, is that I, and what a I thing people it. ask you about? I, I didn't know if it was a thing. My experience with... And I want to go back to Through Me, because good Lord, that's great. But well, I want to talk or not, about what fucked up by the me. The comic's opinions of me shifted me from by me to through me. Hmm. What my experience was with stand-up boot camp was truly the biggest opening of transformation I've ever experienced in my life. What do you mean? Well, so I went from to me to by me by just going, how can I have the number one Comedy Central special and actually Tony Robbinsing it up and, and mm -hmm. having the number one Comedy Central special by literally waking up at 6 a.m., changing my focus and my physiology, mm -hmm. dancing around the house for an hour a day, saying, <laughs> you have the number one Comedy Central special. Three months later, I had the number one Comedy Central special. Mm -hmm. In 2009, Comedy Central puts out their 100 favorite comics for the stand-up showdown. They say, vote on your favorite comic. I just Tony Robbins this. How can I win this? My mind came up with, do a podcast where you thank everyone who votes for you by name in the podcast. Mm -hmm. So I I literally thanked 400 people the first day, went from 18th to 8th place. The next day, 800 people I thanked went to 7th place. Who's listening to this podcast? <laughs> well, the, the, my following, right? But then they were bringing their friends in and right. saying this comic's doing that. And then right. press started covering it. And then I won the stand-up showdown. Right. So I got 238,000 votes in two weeks. Right. So this created this big moment of achieving this massive... I can, holy shit, anything is possible. You went from purple to red. I you went started from making totally meth. purple to red. Thinking, you started cooking meth. Yeah, I haven't seen Breaking Bad, but... That's okay. Uh, you're like, you no, went from that's... powerless to powerful. <laughs> you go, I don't know how to do any analogy without <laughs> meth. <laughs> that's nothing to do with Breaking no, Bad. No, I'm not talking about Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> you go, no, do you way. literally want some yeah. meth? Um, <laughs> that's not chocolate. <laughs> so, so, so I had this achiever mindset in 2009 where I was just... When people go to a, an event and they have a shift, no matter what, we all make the mistake for a while of thinking that that method is what caused the shift and then making that method your god. Mm -hmm. You know what I like mean? Like fruit before noon. Right. right, Like fruit before noon or church sometimes. You could have a shift and then religion's like, well, that was us. You right. know, and right. you just maybe you just let go and surrendered for a minute. And, and I will tell you that as soul. a comedian, I'm constantly taking my own levels and being like, I had a great. I used to be like, I had a great set because I had a can of Coke before the show. And right. I only one time I just happened to have a can of Coke before a show and I got a standing ovation. Right, and then I just made now that association. Coke. I was right. like, Coke is it, baby. So, and I think many people their their first entry into this is Tony. So we go, it's Tony. <laughs> yeah, right. Or it's you know. So I was really annoying for a year where people would be down and i'd be wanting to make them jump up and down and you know what i mean right like, yeah let's change that you know right and, right change your state right so in 2009 <laughs> i got very passionate about what i had experienced and wanted other comics to know they could have it the huge mistake i didn't even realize i was doing was comics are the most you know we all are yeah some of the most cynical or we come from a place of you making know, fun of things authenticity like that. and if you haven't experienced a tony robbins event 
and you're just seeing it from the outside. You just watch people become crazy, and all right. our job is is to call shit on that like crazy. Right. We're in the back of the church. Right. Making yeah. fun of it. So I, in 2009, I started teaching comics, like aspiring comics, like how to get in the zone, how to get in, you know, just stage presence. And, and just honestly, a lot of it was getting them to get like right all day, every day and, you know, really go up. It wasn't like shortcuts or any of the things that there were accusations about. And many successful comics joined and they wanted to be a part of it. And Louis Anderson asked me if he could partner with me. And I said, yeah. So Louis Anderson and I are working for a half a year, maybe. And we're doing weekend clubs. And we're going into clubs and we're teaching aspiring comics how to do stand-up comedy. And I'm spending 12 hours a day with aspiring comics, you know, working on their set. And all I'm doing, honestly, is getting them to tap even more into their truth and not rewriting a joke from or anything like that. Just being like, you know, well, why do you feel that way? And getting and the jokes, they'd get better, you know. Mm -hmm. And bringing also in, you know, ideas of where people could see ways they could create their own rooms. And you know what I mean? It was almost as if Tony Robbins taught comedy. Okay. <laughs> so, so I'm doing this for six months and I would hear constantly through the grapevine. Now I'm in a state of by me where you're still controlling everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm hearing constantly through the grapevine that some other comic who wasn't at the thing was talking shit about me and, or Louie too. And we'd hear through the grapevine, this thing and it would sting me. And I'll never forget one morning I'm with Louie and we just finished a three-day event that, if you were in it, was just amazing. Every comic in the room loved it. They really had a great experience. I'm with Louis alone. We're in Chicago. And I just said to him, I have this thing in me where I want to get over what people think about me. And I don't know what it's from. And Louis soothingly was like, maybe it's your father. And uh, I didn't know. <laughs> did he make that up? What's that? Did he make that up or did he know you Well, he just like, well, let's talk about what, you know. Uh-huh. But my point is, his voice is like that. Yeah. So <laughs> don't wake up a guy napping yeah. on an iron. Show me, father. <laughs> yeah. So, so I go back to my hotel room, and I just said I want to get over what people think about me. Yeah. And I go back to my hotel room, and there's a, a car that's going to take me to the airport, and I get this email, and it says, "Hey, you con man, right? By the way, we weren't making any money." All yeah. these all these rumors were we're making all this money and scamming people. It was $200 for a two-day thing. Mm. These rumors surfaced that it was $3,000. That was a thing we were working on where we were trying to get Steve Martin and we were trying to raise money to donate to a charity to get him to come in. But people, no one paid that. Like It was like a few hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. And what the experience was, honestly, if you compare this to what a Tony Robbins event was, you could come and you could work on your act and you go to one room and you'd work with Louie on your act. Then you go to another room, there's Kevin Nealon, you work on your act. You go to Harlan Williams and you work on your act and you go to Bob Zmuda and you work on your act. And mm-hmm. we got to rotate just getting better by making them stay in the room with their act and tighten it, right? Mm-hmm. You get to literally work with different headlining comics for real. It was mm-hmm. a legit cool thing. Think of that for the corporate world in like how much Tony Robbins costs and how much those things cost, like how funny this is and how much more the mainstream would love to have something like this. And we were charging nothing because mm-hmm. we were trying to <laughs> please these broke comics, which is like putting a Lexus dealership in the ghetto. Like we're, <laughs> we're trying so hard. So I get this thing that says, Hey, you con man, I read this blog that Doug Stanhope wrote about you. So I'm like, what's, and I click this blog and there's this blog written about me that is Doug Stanhope. He hadn't gone to the event, but he's just ripping me apart and starts pitching it like I'm selling Scientology or all these things and I'm not. 
and he's saying, I want to kill his family. I want to do all this stuff. Like it, it was Stanhope being funny too. And I love Stanhope and I, and I loved him. And we've talked several times since then, mm-hmm. but when he wrote it, you know, there's a, when you're inside this and I'm in this vulnerable place of trying to put this positive thing into the, into the comedy world. And I get this thing and I just am so open. I, I want to get over what comics think about me. He writes this blog and it's ripping me apart. And I look on the bottom and it's going viral. So I want to get over what comics think about me. And now thousands of comics have an opinion about me mm-hmm. without coming to it. So all of a sudden, all these comics start spoofing stand-up boot camp and they start ripping me apart and coming up with all this stuff. And here I wanted to face this thing. And now I have no way out. Like I now actually, I knew the most I knew at this point was how to achieve my way out of something, how to have another number one Comedy Central special, how to whatever. But this was now too overwhelming. And it's something that like, I had to face. I had enough training to know I'm going to learn something here. So I told the car to go without me. And I sat in the hotel for six days. Hmm. And I sat and I just let a whirlwind of emotions come up. And most for the first four days, the highest I could see possible was, well, I could achieve this or I could achieve this. And I was just crazy. Yeah. And then on day four... I had this achiever part of me just saying, what if you did this? What if you did this? And I noticed that it was going crazy. It was like this over, you know, employed place of employees just coming up with all these solutions. Mm-hmm. And I'm observing this thought and I'm just not the thoughts. This thought is just going, what if we did this? And there was another me that was like, or I don't give a shit what they think. And then I realized there's a third me that's looking at the options of do I not give a shit or do I? And I realized suddenly I was the observer of the thoughts and not the thoughts. And all of a sudden, my entire past, my entire life story, everything felt like it broke off of me, like ice breaking off of an iceberg. And it Mm. just separated and it fell. And I was just this fucking moment for real. Mm. And... It was so chaotic and I just had no, thank God I didn't go get drunk or I didn't create a, you know, addiction. I just fucking faced it in the, this line of almost wanting to kill myself, like so depressed Mm. about it. And I suddenly realized I was the observer of the thought. And all of a sudden I looked at the wall and like five hours passed of just, this sounds so corny, but total bliss because my mind had been so chaotic that it was so clearly not me. Yeah. And that it was just a tornado and I'm looking at the tornado. So then. Well, if we can slow down just there, you put a pin in that, that idea that when you're looking at, I I just loved, I got it. I just want to make sure everybody gets it in the sense that it's like, you're looking at, I cannot take it seriously who gives a shit or i can achieve my way out of it old doug stanhope will print a retraction when i have the totally funny, the funniest stand-up special he's ever seen right but then it's it's <laughs> one of those old doug stanhope. old dougie stands uh it's a it's the deepak thing where you go who is asking right when you go should i not care should i achieve my way out Who's asking? Yeah, because there's... And then you identify yourself to the thing. Because should I not care is still a job that the ego is going to do, right? Right, right. So it's not that. It's so just, what is the thing that's observing this whole interaction? Right. What is your, for lack of a better term, what is the core being? Right. That doesn't really, uh, go backing to Eki Tolls, that doesn't care about anything. And, your your true being has no interest in achieving or not achieving. And it's, and by the way, Even I though while say, I'm listening to you, I'm like, I don't know, man. I got, audience has got to love me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'll tell you what's funny is there's still been years, even though this transcended into the most amazing place in the world for me, there's still a place that has some triggers with comics mm-hmm. where if I see a comic somewhere, like even coming onto this, I was like, 
I wonder if there's going to be this underlying. And then I talk to you and I'm like, oh, God, like he gets it, <laughs> you know, but. Are you worried about the boot camp thing? Well, it wasn't. I'm not. It's not that I'm worried about it. It's that that was a truly traumatic experience for me. That broke you, though. That broke me. Yeah. And it opened something up. Yeah. And it's, and it's the I would never take it back. And I've had wonderful talks with Doug Stanhope. And what my perception was in it is not what really was as every no one really overall gives that much of a shit. And well, in my mind. You know, it had just happened right on the heels of the Carlos Mencia thing. So I'm thinking I'm comparing it to that. Right. You know what I mean? And thinking of this is my Joe Rogan calling me out thing. But what I was doing in my mind was truly, truly legit and from a very genuine place. And um, you know what's threatening about it? What's that? About the whole thing? Like, is that we have this fragile thing, this art. And I know you know this. And it's hard to quantify how we do it. You know what I mean? I I bet as somebody who likes the sort of things I like, you can appreciate the idea that we're radios and the song kind of plays through us. 100%. You're talking about going on the stage. stage, Yeah, Yeah, you go on stage and you riff a new hour and all that sort of stuff. But when we start, and again, I'm talking to you in real time, I don't know anything about the comedy boot camp except what I already told you. But even if you say, I can go into one room with Kevin Nealon and then I get Louis Anderson and then I get Bob Zumuda or whatever. The problem with that for me as, as an artist, and I don't say this, I don't think it will offend you, is that I'm like, Kevin Nealon's going to tell me that I should open strong, and then Bob Zamuda might tell me that I should let them look at me for a minute, right. and everybody's wrong. You know what I mean? Yes. Because totally. it's only in the moment. Of course it's only in the moment. There's something I, I just – I bet you'll like this, yeah. and it's also kind of against the idea of a comedy boot camp, which you've already walked away from, so right. who cares? <laughs> but it's the idea of trying to quantify making love, and I always say that. It's like you can tell me how to get blood into my dick, and you can tell me how to put it into a vagina and how to moisten it and how to come and all that sort of stuff. But you won't be ever able to measure exactly what it is to make love to my girlfriend that night over creme brulee. I know I'm a vegan, but I'll say creme brulee, where she <laughs> looked at me in a way that I understood that she wanted to be on top tonight. Yes. Do you understand? There's something mystical and something artistic and beautiful and off the map that's happening that when, I, when we say I can put you in a room – with, uh, you know, Ron Jeremy, and he'll tell you how to fuck like that, we all get offended. And what I if I told you that the depth of the training was pretty much what you just said? Is that true? See, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Like, what, what it was, was getting them to who they are and not being in the how-to world. Okay. I'm writing a book right now called 972 Ways to Simplify Your Life. <laughs> and really for real, funny. I got a book deal and I'm doing this book, and the book is... <laughs> A spoof of how, and and you'll love this. In fact, I should send you the first few chapters because what I said in the book is how insanely ridiculous this how-to world is. Mm. Like Cosmo, I actually used this. I said Cosmo literally says 10 ways to get him in the zone for women. Mm -hmm. I'm picturing this woman in bed with me, like looking at a checklist. Mm -hmm. Like it's not coming from her soul. That's right. It's not coming from her at all. When grabbing my earlobe might be the most erotic thing you've ever done if it's authentic. Right. You know what I mean? And what my... And grabbing my dick could be the least erotic thing in the world if I know you just read it off a glossy page. And what you said is what my big passion is is about this whole fucking seminar world. Hit it. Because this world is full of <laughs> tactics, which is ridiculous because tactics are, here's how I did it and you do it. Let's not tap into what you are This is reminding me of adaptation as well. Yeah. Not rules, principles. Right, right. Well, that's not what I mean, too. <laughs> I know, I know, yeah. I know. It just made me think of the joke. I don't yeah. think that's what you mean. Well, what, what I feel 
what I feel I'm really here, at least today, to be is to be in whatever my highest truth is for me to experience and do. And hopefully, as a result, as a byproduct, get people to realize they have something available in them that they can tap into. And one of my biggest things is I'm so anti that how-to bullshit. Mm-hmm. I'm so against. There is no... There is no, and one of the first things we did say at boot camp was only take what feels good to you mm. and only take what you like. And sometimes maybe if you do get a tactic from Kevin Nealon or something, just use it if you want to as a stepping stone. But understand that all of this at one point is moot. My goal is just to get you to run your set over and over or run or just speak mm-hmm. and just start and allow your creativity to flow by you just starting. And, you and I don't say, now do it this way, now do it this way, right. say it this way. I just want to almost stand over someone with a pen and paper and to get them to just keep painting. It's interesting you know? because that is a fantasy, when, especially when you're starting out, where you're like, I just need to do it and keep doing it right. and keep doing it till it feels normal. Right. But we do that alone. So I understand the impulse to right. kind of get people and, together. And, you know... There's a lot of how-to in Tony, which I don't speak on that level at all, but there is a lot of that, but you totally still, at some point, find yourself a little bit. Obviously, for me, it's more, it's more, it's more, I'd say I'm more comparing it to the morning pages or in the artist way. I already thought about that when you were like, just write, just write, just write. That's kind of what, Tell people what it's that is. more. That's getting up and writing your... The artist way is um, just like... Just showing people how they have it by literally just creating a space for them to create. That's right. And not... Um, like you banged out a an, 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 an place for you, not a niche, right. but a place for you. So getting up in the morning and showing that you can write by writing every right. morning. And so and so for me, I'm, I'm, I'm about tapping into that. I believe that we have this oil well of creativity that's our natural state that we have learned to block ourselves from. Mm-hmm. That when you're a kid, I, I talked about it, but you just play and you just do this stuff. I believe if you stayed in that state, I mean, it's great to come out of it, the consumer mindset and into the creative state now because we get to experience contrast. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we would love gravity a hell of a lot more if we had a problem floating in our 20s. Right. You know, and now we're here. But right. but I believe that there is when we just chill and we allow, I believe also that everything, when something just sits still and does nothing, just closes its eyes and does nothing – you can't not evolve. Like, um, a caterpillar literally has to do jack shit, and then eventually it can fucking fly, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like we're <laughs> trying to fix things that aren't broken all the time, mm-hmm. and we're in the way of our what? massive abilities. Right. Nelson Mandela goes to prison for 27 years and becomes a president, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's in Eckhart sitting on a bench for two and a half years that he writes Did something Did you talk profound. to him about that? <laughs> What's that, Did Nelson? you ever talk? No, <laughs> Eckhart. In that story, just be like two and a half years. I know. I just yeah. want to know what he was doing. Yeah. So the should. part of Eckhart Tolle's story that, that you just alluded to was he reaches some sort of enlightenment, uh, realizing that he is not his thoughts. Right. That he is the observer of the thoughts, or right. however you want to put that. And then he's free, and he's blissful, and he sees everything is beautiful. And he looks at light, and he's, like, really stirred just by the existence of light. Like I say, like an alien visiting the planet. You're like, holy shit, if you could really grasp that this is the only moment, you would be fascinated sort of thing. So then he just sits in bliss for two and a half years, not doing anything. Right. Basically being a homeless person, but in the most perfect state of of happiness or what connection or whatever you want to call it. I've always just wanted to be like, what you do? (laughs) <laughs> What'd you do? Would it be weird if it turned out he had a job and ah, was sleeping with everyone? I did work at Sparrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> and I was fucking this sweet piece named Megan. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, a big and, disappointment. Actually. And I had a house. <laughs> Like you're like that's that was your two and a half years. That's just what we're all doing. Goes, we're all fucking Megan and Sparrow. <laughs> like turns out it's nothing. Yeah. At all. Um, we'll get to that. We'll we'll talk about the the real uh, coup de gras at the end there. But um, you were the last time I interrupted you. You were talking about the through you thing, accepting every moment. Well, when what? So I, you broke. What I more believe as time went on. Well, what I broke. You mean after the? Yeah. After blog? after the thing. So. A blog day, broke you. Day five. Can we just take a moment? How silly that A blog sounds. broke me. When I, when I was absolutely shattered by that blog. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. It's so, well, I mean, how much does that too, like, reflect to me how, I mean. I mean, I get it. it, it well, it's, But when you say it plainly. When you see it in words, it just looks so much scarier than when I, when I saw him or talked to him on the phone and I just hear him laughing about it. But inside that place inside a dark hotel reading this thing yeah and just getting the youtube comments and the, the hate at the time of course my mind obviously created way more than it was but it was the greatest thing to happen to me ever because what was crazy was day five at the hotel happened where the sun just went up and down where i was just in bliss i forgot to eat that whole day i forgot i just was so really i truly was like i didn't feel i just felt amazing i just i really had a whole day with that space really i did and then then on day six i flew what did home. that look like what did that feel like what i mean is i'll do you one i've had brief glimpses into that and i was staring at curtains or something like looking at something moving subtly but that makes sense to people you can understand being transfixed with something beautiful and simple right. but you weren't spacing out and staring at things it was no it's <laughs> i would say there, it's just okay. So, there was no there was no work to be done at all. Like, imagine getting to a point where you, there's just you have nothing to do. Yes, and it's just there's just literally, and then what people hear when they think that is like, okay, how do I get there? <laughs> like, yeah, like that's the job that they've just created. Right, right, right. And I I've learned that when you're seeking your suffering. Okay, because you're trying to get out of this. Part of the suffering comes from trying to get out of a situation. And I think that what happened was I just suddenly actually was aware, you know, it's not a place to get to. It's that I am just this body and I'm just, you know, it sounds so corny to everybody. And I know that it's a thing and it's really weird to me that it sounds corny to everybody because the way most people live sounds so much fucking crazier to me. Mm -hmm. This con like when people are trying so hard to get other people to like them in this giant pit of mediocrity that is so full of murder and, and anger and fear. And, and just because everyone is so scared to just face a couple things about themselves just scared to sit like when i when i wake up in the morning now i often really do meditate sometimes two to four hours a day mm. and it's people go how do you have that much time to do that and what's so funny is how much more time i have when i do that because first of all it raises my inner bar of things that i'll take on first of all mm. so i suddenly don't feel like i have all these things to fix anymore and because and when you go well how do you make money in that place, when you start to shed, when you start to meditate and you start to be this moment, that means you start to shed who you thought you were, right? Because you're just in the moment. So this, the story of I make 50000 a year comes up and you start to identify, no, you're just this body, right? I'm just this place right now and all these things come up. 
Well, if you shed that story, you're suddenly more receptive to better ideas. You know, I, I, and I only use income as a, a because all that stuff a line to compare it. If, yeah. we, if we think of an artery that the idea wants to travel through, the plaque on the artery is. I make that money and I have a car. Right. Well, if you think of yourself as someone who makes 50000 a year and someone tries to offer you a million, you're not going to accept it or you're going to feel very stressed or you're going to blow the money right away because your story about yourself. So a good example is like if you feel like you haven't dated anyone amazing and then finally you get a date with someone incredible. Right. Your story of your That's history. That's better because I feel like the the broke the person with 50 not broke but 50,000 might take the money but like somebody with a somebody that you consider out of your league. That's a term you hear. I had a guy that was working with me and he that had an idea sense. for an invention. And so he said if I just had the money to do this and I said, "So what if someone handed you a million dollars right now?" He goes, "I'd freak out." Out, right. Uh, so he's not in a place where he's in alignment to even accept that. Right. Because his perception of himself is who he is, is his childhood and the right, story of right, whatever. Right. It, and so, I don't date hot women. Right, right. I don't date. So now if you go on a date with a hot woman, you're going to say, <laughs> I, I never had this. This person completes me. Think about how like if I'm I've had that where you just you're in the store or something and you see a really hot woman. I was in my own state. I was fine. And now all of a sudden I can't talk because I saw her and I'm like, you like corn, bacon, fish? Because like, I think yeah. this girl's amazing and yeah. I want her. I'm saying I'm incomplete without her. That is a training that has come in from our society because when you were a kid, you never had that nearly as much. When you are a kid, you didn't check your Facebook over and over and worry about your exes and wonder mm-hmm. what ISIS is doing. Mm-hmm. You're, you're in a place of just your natural state was just to create or just to pretend that you're the famous person that you're going to be, but not even pretend it like it's in the future. You were it. You were playing basketball in your bedroom saying he shoots, he scores. <laughs> and when I was a kid and I was doing stand-up and I was 12, people would say to me, one day you're going to be famous. And I would get really pissed. I'm like, I'm famous now. The yearbook's fe- featuring me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, right, right, right. And I wasn't in a place of one day I'll be happy. I was really in my place. Mm-hmm. So now I notice that if there's a part of me that wakes up, usually what we do is we immediately we put ourselves into a place of lack by going onto Facebook. Who wrote on my wall? That completes me, you know, or we go into a place of who called me and we suddenly have a to do list versus actually understanding what in me thinks I need to check my wall that much mm-hmm. to to be happy. Mm-hmm. So what in me feels the illusion of lack? What in me is in lack right now? And so I sit and I just chill and something will come up like uh, sometimes I'll give myself an assignment. I want to just meditate for three hours. Right. And a voice will come up that goes, uh, how are we going to do this for three hours? Like three hours, really? Who's talking? It's a thought. I'm just sitting there. Of course I can sit for three hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm not going to die. But the voice is very convincing. It's like, you can't do this. And then it'll, I'll, I'll realize I'm the space looking at the voice. So it'll go away. Unless I try to make it go away, then I can't. Because who's trying to make it go away? Another thought. Right, right, right. I just start allow to, it. Yeah, so this thing shows up and then it goes away. We doing a mantra? What's that? No. No what do you mantra. do? Do you just sit there? I just sit and I just pay attention. I don't do any Buddhisty thing or have my fingers in a thing. Yeah. I just, you know, it's really kind of sad that meditation, which is literally just chilling, right? It's just chilling. It's just relaxing. <laughs> but what we see I it as it was an giving, assignment. I, I agree with you that nobody wants to meditate. People want to uh, experience the moment fully or whatever. But it, to me, I thought it always had something, at least for me, it always had something to do with giving your mind something simple to focus on so at some point everything could fall away. 
it's well the thing about the mantra and those kind of things is that now you're changing your focus to that and you're trying to keep your mind in a certain focus i believe i believe for me that i'm not the mind i'm the space that the mind's doing all the shit in like i'm the sky and every thought is just a cloud Mm. so if i can do and and i have Honestly, what I feel is evidence to me of that is that you can't be your beliefs because you've believed so many different things and you've stayed consistent through that. You can't be your body because your body has changed continually. People say, I'm 180 pounds. Well, you're actually creating a situation where if you think that's your identity, you'll be scared to lose weight because then the 180 pound person has to die for you Mm -hmm. to become 170. Mm -hmm. But I had a five-year-old's body at one point and I still existed there. So Mm -hmm. seven, you know, Chopra will tell you seven years ago, you had a totally every cell in your body was different. Which Pete? What's that? Which Pete? Where you, we're made of atoms. (laughs) I say I'm Pete and he goes, which Pete? Which Pete are you? Baby Pete. Right. He goes, married Pete, divorced Pete. Right. Comedian Pete. So religious beat. So I have no clue what I am. I just know that I'm not all those things. Mm-hmm. And I just like to chill and sit and wake up in the morning and just allow all these stories to come up and then really feel painful for a minute because there's a part of me that wants to stop or it's almost like being in a room with a thousand people and one voice is like dude, you can't do this. But the other voice is like, we did it. We can stop now. And good and bad and everything. And all I just tell myself is, I'm just going to stay here. I'm just going to stay here. Then what happens is I've now shed a lot of emotions for the day. Mm -hmm. So now I'm listening to my body more than I'm listening to my emotions. So I suddenly don't have as much addictions in the day. I I don't need to, to have necessarily a bunch of bad food you know, that my mom gave me when I was a kid or something like that. Mm -hmm. I feel that connection. My body is what I'm connected to. So I suddenly save money right there too in addictions and stuff. Right. Because I'm, you know, and I'm in a place. Antimins ain't cheap. And then actually (laughs) Antimins are pretty cheap. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's what I like about them. 17 donuts for a dollar. Right. But keep going. But so, so from that place, People want to work with you more. You're in a state where you only pick and choose what you want to do. If I'm not worried about something in the past and future, I actually make room for way better insightful ideas that are really creative, that are better and and more farther moving. Or I'll write a blog that's really good, like coming from an insight type place versus Mm -hmm. a... I have to write a blog so people like me. Well, it's interesting. The responding thing is interesting. I'm guilty of that as constantly checking. At any given time, I'll be waiting for one to 20 different emails. Right. The email that's going to make me complete. Right. You know what I mean? And I do get that little flare of affirmation when I see it. And that's the problem. That's one of the problems I'm having with with the whole uh, talk, even though I'm, I'm, like I've already said many times, I'm on this wavelength, is the idea that when you have, what did I write down? Lack, Right. When you're lacking and when you're seeking, you're suffering and all that sort of stuff. But all that lacking, even me dreading Cleveland and Gaffigan weekend or feeling like I'm incomplete or or all the dark nights of the soul that I've had as a stand-up where I'm like, I'm not funny enough. That lack uh, was a cheap kind of fuel that did get me to be better. Yes. So how do we reconcile that? That's the same thing, though. In other words, you still have to look at it. You don't turn a blind eye to it. You don't... You know, you look inside yourself and go, what is it that's doing that? So, well, I think we're talking about the difference between by me and through me. You know, what you just referenced was like when you use some pain to 
to become really more motivated or achieve something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I totally went through that and all the pain got me into the Tony Robbins seminars and got me to change my thinking. And when I felt like crap, I mean, every low that I've ever experienced was the greatest thing that I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Now, the next one is through me, which is what, what that's, I mean, as Michael Beckwith refers to it, is that where you release control. And so what happened was after that blog was written and I stayed with myself for days, I suddenly realized, you know, what you just use it as an example. Yeah, but that's what gets you good and everything like that. Mm -hmm. The underlying assumption is that the highest level of happiness is being good at something like that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it gets you good at doing stand up again. Like there's a part of me that realizes if I want, I could write all day and go up nightly and have a hell of a stand up career again if I wanted to keep going. It's not my highest level of happiness anymore. Hmm. I'm not. I'm not driven to. I'm. I'm finding myself like if I look at what I want to do now with the rest of my life. Honest to God, it's just follow the voice and do a thing that day and expand internally. Mm-hmm. Versus you know go prove a point and become a George Carlin. Like I really. I've had. I. I got to fulfill that part so much of me. Mm-hmm. And what right, is it now? What is your highest? self now well honestly like just first of all just doing this with you and enjoying the having the conversation yeah sure um there's a there's a this sounds so funny but it's literally per moment to moment right now and it's not some like live like a vagrant on someone's couch kind of thing it's not it's like face my highest self because if i hear the voice going go achieve a great comedy career i've i've had an amazing comedy career i've done some really exciting things and i need to grow i need to do something bigger So for a while, I did these three-day events where I spoke for three straight days and I had a lot of people... Uh, enjoy it. And and then this weekend, I did uh, two days where 10 people came to my house and I spoke. People were in tears and loved it. And they got out of all kinds of stuff. And it was getting them to their closest thing. And this will make you laugh. That's what I did this weekend. And then Monday, I cleaned my whole place. And that was the most exciting thing ever because I've never really faced my shit from my like boxes of crap from my childhood. And that was where I felt the most edge and the most pain. (laughs) And so it's funny because externally it would look like the weekend would be way more profound than cleaning my room. Yeah. But I had not really cleaned my place (laughs) that much. I had not, you know, I never had to because I was always on the road. And for me, the idea of where, where does it feel the most exciting and painful to do? Hmm. What would be the most deepest fulfilling thing is so as weird as that sounds for me to clean my place Hmm. and go through boxes of stuff and get rid of it in that place First of all, all kinds of insights for the next chapter of the book. That's another thing. I'm so conditioned to get attention and laughs when I talk that writing a book is a challenge for me because I don't get the instant feedback, mm-hmm. which means I want to go do it. I want to go experience and, and proving to myself that I can complete this book. And, and when I feel that neediness of I'm not getting laughs right now, I'm not getting people, I don't know if this is working, mm-hmm. be with it. And be it's it's like my highest excitement as of today is to do the thing that almost has the scariest but the most exciting edge to it. And sometimes it's something that everyone else in this world just cleaning your house. That's what I do every day. Right. But for me, like I've had so much success in so many areas that I've never had to really look at really the dirt in me 
you know, like it's almost sometimes like speaking to people or teaching to people, like I said, can be the biggest deflection to you meeting your soul on the deepest level. Right. The cliche of the broken, like Little Miss Sunshine, the broken life coach. Yeah. The guy who has nothing together in, except when he's telling people how to get it. And together. he can do it so good because we're only giving advice to ourselves out loud. Of course. You know, and it's that's a really fascinating moment, too. That's why I think there's two of us. If you give someone advice and then you learn from it, like you're sitting there, you tell them you, half the time the advice isn't even what they're asking. Right. They're like, I have a stomach problem. And you're like, I think you should break up with her. And they're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm single. <laughs> <laughs> I will be, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then but there's two. Uh, there's a second me that shows up and goes, good point. I'm going to go do that. So how are there two me's? My highest excitement is to tap into that first one. Mm. the most Mm -hmm. and and you know there's a you that can get nervous when you go on stage or you go on a date and then there's another you that someone you love is going through a breakup and you can sit there and be there for them for three hours and give them advice and that you could have written a book with what's the difference between the first you and the second you the second you wasn't trying to get anything Mm. it was just trying to help and if you're in a place of not trying to get anything, you can be the most profound speaker in the world. If you're truly not trying to get anything, like that guy at the restaurant for Conan. Mm-hmm. But if you really realize that every every one of us has experienced so many experiences and can give someone help or thoughts and be in a place of giving and not be in lack, then that's the type of place that I my goal or my vision and what my highest excitement is, is to tap into and let whatever unfold after mm. that. And the weird byproduct is as I do that, I find the external success to be even more profound, mm. you know, um, but I don't care. It's just a byproduct. I kind of feel like more and more as time goes on, the way I see the world or the world outside of me is just a reflection of my connection to myself inside. Mm hmm. Does that, that make sense? sense? Yeah. And it, it's interesting that – is this an expression? People that don't care about money seem to just keep getting more of it. There's something about taking your eye off the ball. Right. <laughs> that kind of seems to be helping some people uh, as opposed to obsessing and, and, and always wanting more. The, I think the worst thing – you know, it's so funny because it counters the buy me world. But I think the worst thing – the thing blocking you from getting the thing that you want the most <laughs> is that you want it. Mm-hmm. You know, like go on a date with someone that really wants to be with you or w- that really wants the audition. Yeah. It's there's a certain we find surrender very, very appealing. Yeah. And <laughs> and and the way to act. Louis people go, surrendered, huh? actually, by the way. Sorry. Louis, He's like, I'm fat CK. and I'm bald. CK. I'm fat. I'm bald. And ah, I got these kids that I hate sometimes. And we're just like, ah, thank you so much because he stopped. It's the opposite of Donny Osmond. You know what I mean? The well, teeth aren't perfect and the hair is not perfect and you're not doing, uh, you know, yeah. see you in September. Well, I don't believe in motivation anymore for me, at least, and for people uh, that unless they need to go through that phase, because motivation is I'm going to get that thing and I'm going to make it happen. And that thing will make me happy. I believe more. We're like helium balloons that are always trying to go up, but they're just stuck on what Facebook said or what people think about mm-hmm. you. And our job is to keep clipping that shit and not actually allowing it to come into the your abilities. Mm. Louis C.K. is the greatest example I can think of that ever did that. Because if you look at what he did, this guy that – I mean, I watched since he was really young and we worked with for years. He, at 36, he throws out his act. All of a sudden, he comes up with a special that's better than what his act was. Mm-hmm. Then, very quickly after that, he comes out with an even better special than that. You know, Shoot Up was first, then Hila- or Shameless was first, and then Shoot Up. Then, very quickly after that, he comes up with another special. And I noticed he's not on Facebook. 
you know, which every comic and marketer is like, well, you have to market and you need to have that. No, he didn't need that. He just trusted his creativity and not how much can I get from everybody. Mm -hmm. Then he threw out at one point, he throws out HBO and he just announces, I'm going to release a special off of my website, $5 downloads. Now, every comic thinks, well, you got to have the agency and you got to do it through Ticketmaster and you got to. Nope, he doesn't need any of that. Suddenly he has $5 downloads, makes almost a million a day in a day. Then he donates three quarters of it to charity. So he gets that he's not the money. He's, mm-hmm. the, he's, he's not the apples. He's the apple tree. He can print this shit all day. Mm-hmm. So he gives the money to charity, <laughs> you know, because I always think of my- Hey, apple tree! That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> I know. I'm so, I'm so a book right now. You no, know, no, no, no. I just want to yell, hey, apple tree at Louis C.K. He's more of an orange tree. <laughs> He'll get but it. But keep going. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he listens. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but he so, he, so he donates a lot of the money to charity. But in that giving, people will be like, are you crazy? That's three quarters of a million dollars just give away. Boom. All the publicity of the world the next day, because I remember being on CNN and Conan and Leno that that he donated that money. So he suddenly makes a ton more and gets more publicity than ever because he's releasing and he's not in a place of hoarding. Right. And I believe that one of our biggest problems is we're in a place of hoarding, you know. Think of if you thought, if you applied the way we treat money to how we eat, where you thought the goal of eating was get as much food as possible in your mouth and never shit. (laughs) <laughs> like, and if you do shit, you have a coupon to make sure it's very minimal. <laughs> like, you would only you would only do that off. as a hoarding mechanism. Yeah. yeah, and and if you comprehend, like for me, that I have to, you know, a, a friend of mine had a quote where he said, "If I fall in love with my songs, I'll never write music." And if you get that you're just the antenna, like you said, and you just say the thing right. you're thinking and you allow give to the money through. to the theorem. That's right. the Brian Callen thing. They tried to give this I guy the Brian Fields Callen. Medal. And they wanted to give him a million dollars. And he said, I, don't give me the money. Give the money to the theorem that he won the Fields <laughs> Medal for. He was, that was the whole thing. I'm just the radio. I'm just the radio. Right. And right. He, he got that. And, and because we'll think about it in a simple term. If you have a good set last night and you go, that was me. Now right. you go, I got to do it again tonight. And now you're saying I'm in lack unless it's like last night. Right. So you're not in a place or, or think about the concept of you had to be there. You had a moment that was the funniest fucking thing in the world with your friend. And then you try to tell another friend and you can't because you can't recapture a moment from the past. Right. Because there's new things trying to happen in this moment. Mm-hmm. I think I said that on, a, on the stage before, but like there's... There's if you're just cool with whatever you're feeling right now, then you you know you feel like shit and you're like oh I don't know if I'm ready for the interview I feel like shit like it uh, cool you know right. good right, right right it's our resistance to how we feel that's the problem versus just that we feel just that you way. saying that it's so funny because I'm sitting here and I am I told you I'm tired I'm I'm very interested I'm probably wearing you out no 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 no, no. <laughs> I'm just trying to track with it so it is it is a lot but I am sitting here and I'm like ah that nap. When I go home, that nap's going to complete me. Yeah. But that, I mean, like, I think we're all just guilty of that. And it's just always helpful to hear that, no, because you started saying it, be okay with the fact that I kind of have to take a shit. I kind of want to go to sleep. Do you have to? No, like maybe a 4%. Because I do a little. (laughs) Hit it. Yeah. 
<laughs> we gave five on that. Or maybe maybe higher than yeah, four. Yeah, it's dude, it's higher than four too. It's about a twenty four yeah. percent. Uh on a scale of fifty percent. I, I do I percent from different. the griddle because I was like, should I go here at the griddle? Yeah. And then I was like, no, it's one bathroom and there's gonna be a fat woman waiting. I understand. You don't want I don't want an audience. Right. <laughs> for what I just I know. Did. We're comics. <laughs> I was telling a friend the other day, I go, comics like we'll do whatever the opposite of the room is doing. So like if yeah. a conga line forms, I'm not getting in it. Yeah. I will get in the conga line at a funeral and I'll start it. And I if <laughs> Someone joins me. I'm stopping. It's the corpse. Yeah. So I'm Jesus, like that way with so shitting lively. too. <laughs> Turns out it's conga lines and crapping. But you just saying that, I was like, oh, I I keep thinking like I'll feel better when I achieve the great moments. I want you to have great moments. I want everyone to laugh and feel something, and then we'll wrap it up, and uh, and then I'll go home and I'll take that nap and I'll take that dump and I'll, then I'll feel better. Mm. But when you were just like, just be okay with how you feel, I literally did feel a shift. And how I was perceiving my own existence. Right. That's not that. It doesn't have to be New Agey. I know it's New Agey language. I was just kind of like, nah, it's okay. This is, where, this is what we're doing. Yeah. And I feel fine. Because it's not the thing that's happening that we, where the problem is. It's our resistance to the thing. Right. You know, it's that we're saying this thing shouldn't be happening. I shouldn't feel like I have to shit right now. I right. shouldn't. Right. You know, and that. You're right. The My impression of a happy person is just the guy that's like, this is it. This is what's happening. Right. Like having diarrhea in the street and he's like, life's weird. And the biggest, <laughs> well, and the biggest problem with the self-help world is the underlying illusion is it's, you know, like we should only focus on what makes us happy. Yeah. This, let's just think positive things bullshit. Mm-hmm. That means you're in lack if you're sad. That means it's bad if you're sad, but sad means there's room for insights. Yeah. Sad means I'm just there's well, a Well, that feeling. goes back to the delusion. I don't want I don't want anyone to be that phony baloney person. Yeah, you, you don't want a Ned n- Flanders kind of. Exactly. Yeah. You have nothing to offer me if you're just going like just manifesting reality, baby, and I'm going to be on Letterman tomorrow, like just believing it and and you're just not being a real person. I would like to hear about your lack and your sadness and how you're accepting that. Right. And how you're flowing with that. And that's all that's happening. Right. You know, earlier today, the girl I'm seeing and I got in our daily fight. (laughs) And I go, wow, there's something new in me about to evolve. And it's, this sounds so weird. And I don't, I don't know what this will mean in the long run, but I will tell you that in the last week, we've had some tense moments that have led to crazy breakthroughs in myself and then in her, because we've both been through so much shit that we're able to really notice that like, there's something in me that's hurting and I'm under the illusion that you're doing it. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and, and then I suddenly have a, a realization about myself and feel so much better than had I not felt that right. sadness. It's interesting that you say that people can shine the light. When, when someone tweets like, uh, you're fat and ugly, I'm like, do you feel fat and ugly? Mm-hmm. Did I? You know what I mean? Like, and they, why are you telling me that? Well, and it almost always is because there's a part of them, you know, it takes, it, it, they don't necessarily have to be fat and ugly to feel fat and ugly. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I'm just. I'm just. I think you look you. great. Oh, thank you, Kyle. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> no. So tell me a Jim Carrey story. What was uh, he well, like? What a big deal to me. <laughs> it's a big deal. Uh, it was a. It, you know, he's clearly what a big gone deal through to uh, me. <laughs> no, I just love seeing him on 60 Minutes. He talks about sitting in his back. He has that like outdoor bed thing that he meditates on, and he's a big DMT guy. Have you done DMT? Uh, I have not done DMT. Are you gonna? Have you? No, <laughs> I haven't done that. Or I, I, I've been invited to many ayahuasca things. And from what I hear, you know, people come on the show and told their ayahuasca stories, and I'm always like, I want someone with a DMT story. We yeah. had one guest that did DMT, but a very small amount. 
I want the guy that did the three deep uh, Timothy Leary in his. Right. Yeah, no, I haven't. <laughs> or, Eckhart did, though, I think, right? Jim Carrey did, too. Yeah. Big into it, apparently. Well, I don't mean he does it a lot. I mean, he did it once, alleg- not allegedly. I think he's been very public about it and was a real life changer. DMT is the one where you you inject it, you can get it intravenously, or you can smoke it, and you're just a Native American living on another planet for six months. And then you, not six months, you think you're gone for two weeks and then wow. you come back. So it's that one that really crazy. takes reality and, and just, you know, diarrhea is all over it. Right. So that's the one that I'm uh, excited to hear. But he, Jim Carrey did it. Eckhart Tolle did it too? Tolle? Well, he said something. He, I, I know he took something and someone said, is it like this drug? And he said, yes, I've taken it to compare. It's the same to be that way. Really? Yeah. Oh, it was heroin. Heroin? I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I bet it was mushrooms. Uh, because if you take uh, psilocybin, you're definitely Maybe. just... No, kind of... I think it was acid. Yeah. yeah. It's all in the same yeah. family. Same family. Similar families. Um, yeah. I got to say, there's something so exciting to me about this time. There's something so cool about the fact that, you know, in the 80s, it was just like everyone just got their media from one thing. And the fact that I just... There's something about that Jim Carrey, one of the biggest movie stars in the world, has gone through the shift, and you have this podcast, and and Joe Rogan, and and yeah, Duncan, Russell Brand, and Duncan, and yeah. I mean, all these people are like I, I feel you know, and maybe I'm just being oblivious, and that's how I see the world, but I feel a, a tipping point coming. There's so much ridiculousness well, the quote, happening to everywhere. Quote Duncan, he I love this quote of his. He goes like, "Hey man." He goes like, uh, he's like, <laughs> the beatniks in San Francisco started a revolution, and there were like thirty of them. Man, we got podcasts. God, that's good. It's true. It's a good impression. Oh, uh, it's not bad if he's if he's all getting you know real excited. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, I I see it all the time. It doesn't matter where I where I go, where I tour on the road. There's always people, more and more people that are interested in what is reality, as opposed to I understand reality. Reality is me measuring reality, right? And then a lot of people go like, no, I think there might be something more to reality. That really is that's that's maybe the core of what I'm looking for is I have a joke on stage. I've been meaning to bring it back, which is like, if I want to know what it's like to be an ant, I don't want to talk to the worker ant. That's like, well, I'm one of 3 million, uh, the queen. Uh, and I have my antenna and that's how I know how to find the sugar. And we build these, uh, elaborate trails. I'll be happy to show you. Uh, right. I want to talk to the one ant that ate magic mushrooms and is on his back looking at the sky going, I think I'm an ant. Right. That's the one that I, as, as crazy as he seems, I'd rather hear what he, or just talk to no ants. Yeah. That's good. That's the best move. Like just to talk to no for one else. For social, yeah. For social reasons, don't be. Seen well, no, no, no. no. I just mean aunt. like get your own guidance. Like, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> but yeah, there you your go. reaction was much more fun. <laughs> like I wish I had I, gone with that. I got to act out an ant. But uh, no, I'm with you. So people like Jim Carrey and Eckhart and Deepak and well, it gives uh, it gives people permission to really like wow, like you, what I because I think that everyone in a way feels these things, but they don't feel permission to. So they they just feel that they're crazy. So instead, we've just created this pit of bullshit right. in this world, right? And I think that it's getting so overwhelming. Like, just everyone knows what it feels like when you had that aimless day of being on 10,000 YouTube videos of Russian uh, car accidents, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and and just like feeling like nothing of your day happened. And that's when people start having that next day where they take the laptop off their warm legs and they feel like shit. Yeah. Just being like, today I'm going to, tomorrow I'm going to do a thing. And like, 
it's so overwhelming how much stimulation there is outside of you now that like eventually people have to go this is crazy like i i, I decided i'm off facebook for a month i announced that yesterday i just said you know if you want me write me here and everyone wrote, dude, congratulations. Good luck. I'm so happy. Like, no one was like, why would you do that? And what's fascinating is all they're all saying is, I wish I could do that. Yeah. And they can. Yeah. And it's so weird that they don't do the thing they want. Right, right, right. And that, right. the second you start just doing the thing well, you we want. Well, we all know what we ought to be doing. This is something, one of the strangest things about life is we know what we should be doing and we don't do it. And I, I mean that for me. I can't tell right. you how many days I've been like, today... Uh, no takeout. Like I love takeout. That's my weakness. It'll it'll be vegan, but you can you can fuck shit up with some vegan shit as right. long as it's deep fried and whatever. You, you, a, a lot of horrible foods are vegan. Uh, and I, I I'll be like I'll wake up and I'll feel amazing and maybe I'll meditate and maybe I'll just really a lot of serendipities and I'm like I'm in I'm in the zone, baby. Yeah. And then that night, different Pete. He's eating lo mein. It just happened. Right. Like what happened? Well, the uh, in my opinion, the the next vice that I went through for years was declarations, <laughs> right? This that which would be like going into the gym and being like, today I'm going to do the treadmill and then the the bench press and then leaving, leaving. and then going the next day. <laughs> okay, no, tomorrow. Okay, I got it. And you go in the next day and you're like, okay, so I'm going to do two bench presses and then the power yeah. lifts. Yeah. All right, take care, everybody. And that's kind of what the people that leave Tony do a lot. They yeah. they they get addicted to their plan, which is future, and they right. just it's literally down to you're either working out feel, or you're not. Yeah, it feels so good to I, make a plan though. Yeah. Can, but that's but that's the itself. vice yeah, that often vice. makes feels good enough. Yeah. You know what I've done before what I did when I did the 90 days eating all raw vegan? Oh, you did? Night, well, right after the blog was written, <laughs> I was like, I wonder what life would be like without all my vices or many of them. And so I said, I'm going to go 90 days eating all raw vegan. And to make sure I did it, I kind of got Tony Robbins got on the island and burnt the boats. I said, if I eat one cooked thing, this will sound extreme, but it got extreme results. I said, if I eat one cooked thing, I'm going to give away $10,000. Whoa. So everywhere I went. I want to know where you were getting your cashews because I bet they were steamed. Hit it. <laughs> right, hit cashews. It, hit it was almost like <laughs> your way of like saving me from defending myself. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, if you ever have a heckler that you really rip into, yeah. but then you're like, ah, we got him. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was fun. <laughs> you shut him down. Yeah. But I, I bet you ate some cooked stuff. Anyway, go on. <laughs> you go, hit it. <laughs> yeah. No, I actually really didn't. I went, but if you buy raw cashews at Whole Foods, they're steamed. Okay, well, as then the, the declaration was what I truly believed on my life was, <laughs> was cooked, or was raw. <laughs> But I was living at Cafe Gratitude and, yeah. and you know, and, and all those kinds oh, of Oh, everything's cooked. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Cafe, Cafe Gratitude, by the way, I realize is a place where everyone thinks it's a coincidence they bumped into their friend. But yeah. we only have like four locations. Yeah. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah. It's so weird. I was thinking about I you. Know. And here you are at Air One. It's, uh, and now you're at Cafe Gratitude. It's the serendipity. I've been to Cafe Gratitude with a bag from Air One. That, uh, that is how bad I am. Wow. It's, it's a little much. Yeah. And so do you think – do you believe that – that raw food actually does have an impact, or do you believe it's your belief? Is it the same as the Coke with the standing ovation? Uh, it's, yeah, it's, the answer is yes. It's both. both. Absolutely both. Um, but I will say that the times that I've gone raw for, you know, a couple weeks for sure, um, you know, I, I'll dip out. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I'll dip out for one meal or something. But uh, it's it's been it's been 
near euphoric. It's felt really, really good for me. Mm -hmm. I also recently found out that I'm A positive. That's my blood type. And like, that's a really good fruit and vegetable blood type. Hmm. From what I understand, I know old D Wolf would say that's horseshit and everybody can thrive on a raw diet, but like for some reason it really works for me. I don't think he does. I've heard him say not everyone should do it. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Almost everyone shouldn't. No, really? No. (laughs) 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 Because just me. Guys, this is about me. Yeah, he comes uh, and has yeah. an event where he talks people into him eating raw. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I, I really enjoy it. I, I, anyway, but what were you saying? Um, no, I, I guess I was just curious about if you had experienced that. Like, because I, that's a place where I play with a lot. Is 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 my belief about raw food? What is doing? Yeah, it, is it the thing, or is it really both, or is it none? You know, and but it's that it's that middle way. It's the middle way for sure. The answer to all those questions, I think, is always both. Yeah, and I, I'm really on a kick. This actually brings us nicely into God and everything. I know we've been kind of talking about spiritual things, but I've been on a real like look at how dualistic we are: man, female. Uh, human god raw cooked you know all all these sorts of things we really enjoy that but if you look at a lot of the mystic traditions uh they're at least leaning towards the narrative that we came from a place or god is in a place where he doesn't have he isn't burdened by duality i believe i've said this before on the show but uh it's it's joey cams joseph campbell tells the story of the garden of eden as being the introduction of duality Hmm. into the world meaning eating from the tree of good and evil that's one of the dualities, and then you, but then you wake up to a bunch of them. Adam goes like, "I am naked, not clothed." You know what I mean? I am not God; I am man. Mm-hmm. And then you're kicked out, and that's kind of like an, uh, a metaphor for being birthed. We were in a place where we were ethereal, and we were everywhere, and we were nowhere, and we knew everything, potentially. Or this is just a good story. And then we came to this place, and then we, like you were saying, got imposed upon by all these things where we're like, "No, I make fifty thousand dollars a year. I am not a homeless person. Right? I am." I am a husband. I am not a single person. I am a Christian. I am not a Buddhist and all these sorts of things when really almost everything seems to be leaning towards like the answer to either or questions is, is yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just have to – Because who's asking again? It's another voice. Yeah. That you know is within that space that you actually are. And I, my experience is as, that as nutty as it sounds, I think the more comfortable you get in those weird gray areas, uh, and I don't just mean tolerating them; I really mean like living inside of them. Like you were saying, I don't know anything, and I don't know anything. People listening that are rolling their eyes at the idea of eating raw vegan or meditating or whatever it is, it's like, yeah, me too. <laughs> like yeah. I, I fucking get it. You think I? I don't sign on to anyone completely. Even, uh, you know, that, right. that idea, I'm just right there in the conversation, which I, I believe itself to be holy or special or worthwhile. And you know what's so funny is I've discovered how far you can take that about how whatever the hell we are, it's fascinating how much we delegate our abilities and our powers to something else. Like when someone goes, well, I'm a Virgo, that's why I'm not organized. Right. You just gave yourself an actual thing that you have deflected your your abilities to you know what i mean right. to say i'm unorganized but like there's so many examples of people that are organized that are virgos or whatever right. or to say like uh and this is a this one will probably get flack too but when people say this illness is genetic in my family okay, maybe it is yeah but your belief that it is and your knowing it is will, will almost for sure like guide you towards proving that. i understand i look, like alcoholism's in well my that's family, that's what i was going to bring it to that it is certainly alcoholism is a, is a straight up real disease in fact they did these really interesting studies where they gave rats 
water with alcohol in it, and then uh, then this is interesting. So generation one of rats, they gave them alcohol. Generation two of rats, same rats, so their offspring, no alcohol. Generation three, uh, they gave them the choice to drink alcohol or water, and they only went. They became alcoholics. Like it's it, it, even though they had a dry generation, the kids still inherited it from their wow. Grand, their that's grand, fascinating. Their grand rats. And but I will tell you, and you are right. Uh, and this is but where, how aware are those rats that they knew? Well, you see, that does take right the awareness out of it. Right, they don't know. And and this is where I always get in a, an argument with my friend about it. like when a science thing happens, I go, well, they took a hundred people, and these people had this result and this result for the raw food or the thing or whatever, and I go. Yeah, but one thing we don't know about is awareness. <laughs> right. Because there really is a factor there. For sure it is. You know? And I know – well, everybody knows. Let's try and keep it to the things everybody knows uh, or most, a lot of people know because that's more valuable. <laughs> <laughs> right. Is <laughs> the idea that we all know that when we're on the road and we have 30 shows to do and we feel the uh, cold coming on, we'll ward it off until we give ourselves permission to have it. I think that's a phenomenon that mm. everybody's experienced. I can't be sick Saturday. Saturday, I'm taping my hour. Sunday, full-blown sick because you were just you – yes. you're using all your Sunday's strength. always exo- – do you notice your <laughs> – does your voice go out on the Sunday shows after a weekend? I can't believe you just said that because here's what's crazy. It doesn't matter how – I always thought it was because it was the fifth show. It doesn't matter. I did Portland and I did two shows Saturday on one Sunday. I couldn't do the Friday. And I still lost my voice on the Sunday There's show. There's something about Sunday. Because my, my brain went, lose it. Like some fucking now the like Samuel is, L. Jackson running the Avengers. Lose and the it. question is, like, is that an external – like are we picking up everyone's <laughs> energy of sitting on the couch or are we yeah. – or is there really like a mental thing inside of us that Sunday just has always equaled stop? Because And how do I even know it's Sunday? I don't even feel like I know it's – it's just whatever the yeah. last show is, that's when my voice will – I'm not straining it more. I swear I don't feel like I am. Obviously, when, I am. And when you do – but when you do a weekend at the club and it's like a Thursday, two Friday, three Saturday, one Sunday, there's always this mentality of Sunday – it's so true. Or if I did nothing that weekend but a Sunday night show. Yeah. They, it's like... They'll know. There's, feel it. We all feel like, who gives a fuck tonight? <laughs> like, it's a 7 o'clock show. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's still light out. Right. We're doing our best, but yeah, I, I understand. Yeah. What it's yeah, just yeah. like, yeah, I'll, it's half full. I'll just... Well, you know what? I'm sorry. I just realized you. I cut you off for the Jim Carrey thing. Oh, sure. Do you have any tale? I mean, we just sat and talked after Gate, and it was awesome. And and then I just went into a thing about how I think consciousness is shifting. I mean, I I know that he. So he's got this thing called Gate, and that is a big deal. It's called Global Alliance of Transformational Entertainers, and that's where I was working. And it was him, and Eckhart Tolle, and Michael Beckwith, and Louis Anderson, and and uh, a ton of people. And that event is really cool because what their goal is is to change the media. So their entire audience was producers and directors and stuff like that. And like Marianne Williamson showed up and chewed everyone out. And mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just a cool event. But yeah, I mean, Jim Carrey ran that and it was an amazing experience. I mean, he's awesome. I don't have a specific. Yeah, it's all right. I hung with him for 20 minutes backstage and had a good great handshake. Talk with him and yeah, yeah, I know. We like? sat and there's pictures we can upload if you want. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, well, let's. This is how we always end the show. Is just what is your take on all of this? Why are we? 
Why do we exist? I guess is what I'm I can't tell you hooks. I really mean this. I know I've said this so much, but it's so cool <laughs> that you're asking these questions. Well, because, you can listen to any episode and find out what they think. Yeah, <laughs> no, but there's a there's there's a part of me that's so tired of people who are just totally talking from a place of that they're victims to a circumstance, like their happiness is based on what the football team did or, you know, they're angry about what Justin Bieber did or something. Right. And I don't even know how to respond to that. You know, (laughs) and they're just like, oh, it's so annoying. And like, just to go deeper and talk about a place of what something makes you feel or could mean. Right. Well, you've uh, you've done me a good service, making me feel less tension and, and uh, happier. And I yeah, but I built that. the tension too. Uh, <laughs> like, and then I burnt that fucker down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, um, I'm I, I'm asking the questions that I love to be asked. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, what was your question? What is all this? Yeah, you can take it a lot of ways. You can walk me through your religious history, or you can say what you believe now. Uh, for me, the most love to hit what happens when you die. Go ahead. The, for me, the most freeing thing that I've ever experienced in my life was the real realization of I don't know and I'm totally okay with that. Yeah. I don't know and I love that. I love not having the assignment of having to know what happens when I die, what happened before I was here, how the earth got started. That is the most freeing thing, like being totally obsessed and in love with uncertainty. Just um, getting into a relationship. How long are we going to be together? You know, certainty freaks need to hear the title and be married or whatever. Right, 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 right. I don't know, and I'm okay with that. It delegates the responsibility of figuring it out. Mm. And then I have room to have fun. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I don't know what will happen when I die. And I will, you'll never, I think so far in my life, you'll never hear me come up with a theory because. I only talk from my experiences, not from what a book said, mm. not from, you know, we chose our parents shit. I have no clue. And uh, I wish I, – I can't wait till the day when more speakers talk from there versus claiming for sure it's a god or universe or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. I don't know if it's me, a second me. I think that you should be able to hear it from an atheist standpoint, a Christian standpoint, a spiritual standpoint. And to me, it breaks down to there are two yous. There's the you that just loves to create and play and is instinctual. And then there's a you that you are conditioned for your own safety and your own growth, that you had to become a certain way to get your parents to love you so they didn't hurt you. Mm. You know, I think if we went to another planet right now and everyone was 10 feet bigger than us and we didn't know what they felt, we'd get, okay, these people get really mad. This one drinks. Like, I have to... right. Become a certain way. Oh, my God. I just got what you were doing. Yeah. <laughs> like those are our parents. Yeah. Yeah. You would figure out very quickly. I got to mold this way so this one doesn't hit me. And I got to be this way so this one says I'm proud of you. Right. And then when you grow up, you still have those patterns. Mm. And you still go, I got to be like this. When we start dating people because they said something that reminds you of, as weird as it sounds, like something your mom said. Like, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And so we, we really... There's there's that second you that showed up out of trying to survive. Mm-hmm. And my whole life goal is to be as much as I can back in that first state. And I don't believe it's a place you have to get to. I believe it's a place that exists right now. Mm-hmm. And that it's 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 like not like it took 37 years to get here. So it's going to take 37 years to get back. It's like when you wake up from a dream. You don't need eight hours to undo the lie you just told yourself. You just suddenly realize it was a dream. Mm. And... Uh, when I suddenly have a thought and I'm worried and then I become aware, it's almost like in the first state, I, if we were sitting here and we saw a guy get shot and then we saw another, a car hit another thing, we would all want to go out and help that. But what if you suddenly realized it's a movie screen and you're standing and you're, you're chained to the theater, your goal suddenly shifts to getting out of the theater. Mm. 
not not fixing that circumstance. Hmm. And uh, so for me, that's just what I'm doing is like tr- is is get uh, out of the theater <laughs> is getting out of the theater by understanding I am out of the theater and just accepting it constantly. Like Fight Club, yeah. that gun is in Tyler's hand; it's in my hand. Remember that part? <laughs> May, yeah, I, I do. Yes, <laughs> he shifts his consciousness to realize that he is Tyler Durden. Right, right, so right, he right. has the gun. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I don't do it that much. <laughs> <laughs> I won't shoot my cheek. Yeah, you know? whoa, intense. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. It must have hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder how they did. I love that. when people talk about when I did the movie Ten Things I Hate About You, and I played a character that, like, the parents were gone and they people ruined my house, and I would go on the road and. Someone asked me once, were your parents pissed when, <laughs> and it's so weird to me that there's a few people that like, it's a small group. I think that's a true story. Yeah, that was a documentary. That's, yeah. 10 things I hate about also you. also not inside your TV. <laughs> <laughs> a little man inside your TV. Yeah. I, I like that answer a lot. I think that's great. And I kind of explained presence a little bit. Did you feel satisfied with our talk about presence? Oh, do you, you mean physical presence? I, I literally mean oh. shifting your mind to being present. Oh, uh, what was your question? My question was, were you satisfied with how much we hit the importance of being present? <laughs> I think that's that was my goal, too. Okay, good. Yeah. Then my question is, do you remember the hardest time you laughed? Yes, I do. And when I bought David Wolf one of these, he didn't touch it. That son of a bitch. He didn't touch it? He had a little this bit. This is his company. I know. He had a oh. little bit. <laughs> if he listens to those... Sorry. Um, <laughs> he's, like, I, he's like, I wouldn't eat that shit. You, no, no, no. It wasn't that. It's that you ate the whole thing, and that makes me happy. Oh, I'm doing it again, though. Uh, Kyle ate the treat that I made him, so that makes me feel good. But, so now you're a victim, too, if I don't eat Exactly. It. Yeah. Well, David had a little bit. Uh, Go on. Um, Hardest time you've ever laughed? I got two answers. Uh, one is anytime I'm with my best friend, Justin Eisen. He's a friend of mine in Seattle, and we've developed a... Uh, our own language and i have so many but one (laughs) one is that my brother kevin and i we came up with an idea for a sketch once based on and this this time i i'm not kidding this was the only time i actually was worried i was going to die from laughing Mm. because i couldn't breathe and every orifice was pouring and i was really hurting Mm. and i actually couldn't get air and we had we had seen a uh you like to do this because you like to hear him start laughing when they tell you the story. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. But now I'm aware of that. So it goes away. Um, Don't faint. Yeah. I'm going to try. <laughs> so we had seen this shitty, we found a tape and it was an eighties like magician and it's like how to do a card trick. And he had this terrible blue screen and he looked like a pedophile. Like he's just this guy with a white mustache and he's just nerdy and weird. And he shows you how to do this card trick. And the, the way you do the card trick was you had a preset up deck. So my, I said to my brother, like what if what if you have to do the trick again and Kevin as the magician said I have to shit and then he goes <laughs> he goes he goes if someone new comes in just say I have to shit and <laughs> and then we started talking about this guy like wouldn't it be weird if in the middle of the trick <laughs> would it be weird if in the middle of the trick he goes ma'am can I borrow your shoe to the woman he's doing his example and then she gives him his shoe and he just goes <sighs> <laughs> like just breathes it in has nothing to do with the trick and then we made <laughs> that we shot that video we made this video called the melgician where i play this totally thing and and the, the, the gross magician yeah dude i'll send it to you it's smell awesome. your shoe. 
and and in the tr- in the this is the bit he's saying he's saying here's how you do the magic trick she goes oh show my friend this and i say i have to shit and then i go <laughs> and then it goes to the instructional part and i go often when your friends show up um you'll have to do the trick again if you need to get out of there again just say i have to shit then actually do shit <laughs> two days before the trick i don't shit at all that way i have to shit when i actually do the trick <laughs> then when your friends say you didn't go shit you just set up your cards you can go smell for yourself and the rest of the whole video the instructional video is what to do if they discover that you did set up and you have a second sealed bag of shit in your pocket and like when they do say that just blame the girl to your right for farting and like you start to realize this is not how to do that trick it's this bizarre if the third sealed bag of shit comes out and they see that it's gonna smell different than the first two bags of shit and that has nothing to do with the trick it's not that I like the shit humor it's that I like that he's not on target at all with the trick and and the explanation and my brother and I went off on this tangent and we i couldn't my face hurt and i mm. just remember thinking that's the one time in my life i actually was was horrified i was going to die because i, I, I was it was so fucking funny that's to me. great that's great yeah. just just the smelling the shoe already had me laugh, yeah but <laughs> it has nothing so to do with the trick yeah, 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 yeah. Like, picture this awkward right right, right. Um, or he just wants to kiss someone <laughs> just like get, might i bother your date for a simple kiss yeah that he's just kissing her <laughs> That's nothing. Nothing. of it. That's great. Yeah. I also wonder. I saw. I wanted it to go to bags of shit. <laughs> so I'm, glad, that, I'm yeah. glad that it did. I was no, like, no, dude. I'm going to send it to you. You're going to flip because <laughs> Comedy Central ran it on Apple oh, really? TV and stuff. Yeah, it was oh, one of my favorite videos I've ever made. What was the other one? Um, the other video. You said I had two. Well, just that. I just wanted to mention that almost. Oh, I'm sorry. That, that my just that my buddy Justin Eisen and I. Uh, literally every time we talk who by the way is the one who recommended i do your show oh really he said he said that we'd really get along and that that you know what you do is really in alignment with me and i was so excited about it and then i freaking am in seattle and i see you get into a town car outside of the raw food restaurant Uh yeah what was that place called that was choco canyon choco canyon went there twice yeah real good really close to giggles the first club that i oh really yeah it was around the corner but i I took a like a ridiculously expensive cab ride to and from is that what that was oh i thought like bumper shoot was supplying you with no 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 that was an uber Oh really? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. you are so like me because I'm like I don't give a shit if it's five hundred bucks. I, I want, gotta get it. I want organic. When I'm doing my shows too, because I burn that stuff so much better than mm. you know, like totally fat tie or something. I mean, that ninety days at one point I needed like two hours of sleep a night. I was really my focus, everything, and then I get to about thirty days in, and I would I would smell some cooked food, and it just I could smell like the metallic and the yeah. the grease and the, yeah. the chemicals in it. You yeah, know, we're very used to mm-hmm. eating horrifyingly bad food. Sure, and when you go away from it for a while, the first week's hell because you know well, you're withdrawn. Yeah, it's withdrawal, and and you, you. But I started identifying all these. Like, I really want to go to this restaurant, and I realize it's a place my mom took me to when I was a kid. So I don't even want the food; I want the love. Right, right, you know? right, and right. You start cutting through that shit. Right, and then uh, when I got a month in, like I just had completely conditioned myself to. Not... Why do you stop? I think. Well, I got to not date... not at, in a judgy way. I'm just curious. No, no, no. I got to day ninety and was like, I can have it, and I took a bite of something and almost threw up. And then as time went on, I was like, Well, I've experienced it, and then I wanted to make sure my addiction wasn't the raw food, so I started yeah. kind of just going back a little. But I'd still say I'm ninety percent 
raw oh, organic. I'm yeah. almost all, you know, every once in a while I have some protein or whatever, but sure. I, I, you know, I'm, I, I think it's amazing. Yeah, sure. Fun. You know, I love it. Okay, cool. Raw, organic. You know, I, I live in Calabasas. We have an Air One there and I'm always at Whole Foods and I'm yeah. looking for one of the four restaurants that is yeah. organic. And, and, and we're and the weird guys that go all the time. I was there twice in Seattle. That, it's Me weird. too. That's the only place I got it. I mean, I got to know the staff a little bit. <laughs> My Well, what's weird is when I went in there too, the, com, the, the staff, you know, because I'm from Seattle, so that's where a lot yeah. of my people are and stuff. And I went into Chaco Canyon and people were like, oh, there must be something. There must be like a comedy convention. Yeah. Like yeah I followed yeah, you yeah. in there. But um, yeah. Yeah, my mom lives like a half hour away from that place, but I dro- drove there every single day for it's two really meals, good. three meals a it's day. Really good. They told me Dave Matthews eats there. Oh, really? They said he did. That's weird. Yeah, it is weird. But then he threw up off a bus or something. What <laughs> Di- was it? It was diarrhea. Diarrhea. Yeah. And yeah. It, was, it was the whole band. It the wasn't whole... Dave Matthews. It was Dave Matthews' band. <laughs> it's cool that they all like came together, though. They did. I really they looked at it as a solo. <laughs> God. <laughs> Dude, I love it. It's good. Uh, let me look at the paper, make sure we didn't miss, miss anything. I think we good. Yeah, man. Do you feel satisfied? I I had a, a fantastic time talking to you. And I'm I want- glad you were here. Whenever I'm tired, this is a good one, I get a chatty guest. Yeah. It's just how I'm uh, – I like being grateful for that. And I mean that. I was like, Jesus, please talk. <laughs> yeah. Dude, and I'm and I'm and I was like that too. I was like, I hope this guy shuts up so I can talk. No. Um, no sometimes good. you know when you when you go on something like this, if I had gone through my thing, there you know, I've been through so many years of discovering what I believe and then having a, so many people love it, but then having people like, Come on and every once in a while you still accidentally feel a little bit of wanting to prove a point or get something yeah. across or sound good or whatever. Yeah. Because we're not I'm, – I'm never there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes a point will come across and you keep going and just go off on a tangent and then that will remind you of something and Perfect. it'll be very fulfilling. But I really appreciate you for for being a space and, and doing this because it's – you know, it makes me not feel like I'm <laughs> – only one who sees this or yeah feels this no way. there's a lot of I, I know there's a lot of comedy fans at least that are yeah. that are into both of it so that's great man yeah man I'm well gl- i'm glad you're doing it they i'd love to can i just plug my website oh Is yeah okay? you can plug whatever you like awesome if people are interested in more of this i i do do three-day events on getting into creative zone and and um I have a website, kylecease.com, which is cease is spelled like ceasefire, C-E-A-S-E. And um, there's tons of updates on different things and, and places they can see me live. And there's like 100 videos, too, that I have online. and Including shitbag? Shit, check out, that's called The Melgician. It's on, <laughs> that one's on Funny or Die. But it's awesome. That's great, man. Would you say keep it crispy? That's how we end every episode. You want me to say that? You just say keep it crispy. But we're raw. Yep. You, Don't you've fry never, it. You've never had like a, yeah. a raw onion ring? That's crispy. That's true. Well, everybody, this is Kyle C saying, keep it... Oh, that's the sound Fucking effect. Fucking hell. No, that's part of it. That's never happened. I set an alarm to remind oh. me to do something. What time is it? 3.45. Oh, if you got a ticket, I'll pay it. Uh, well, now it's going to be weird because I, I won't let you. But I keep winking. Because <laughs> you won't pay it? Because <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely will not I'm like, pay it. I'm like, why are you winking to me? Like <laughs> My meter's out, too. Let's both go see if we have tickets. Yeah. Well, then I'll say keep it crispy. Do yeah. Dude, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. We had like eight high fives. That's number yeah. eight. Yeah. <laughs> no, man. One was on that we had to shit. <laughs> I remember that yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good one. We just sprint to a bathroom. <laughs> thank you, Kyle. Yeah, thank that you. That was great, man. Yeah.
Now leaving Nerdist.com.